This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Discover all of our shows at slashandcast.network. Sequels suck. No, wow. Come on, man. Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. How many ride the bus this far north? You're running away from something? Somebody broke in and trashed the house. Christy thought it was a ghost. I know you guys are freaked out, okay? How does it feel living in a haunted house? There's something here that would like to communicate with us. We're all ears. Speak up. When I was a kid, there was a place. Am I talking to the spirit that's oppressing this family? Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, death scenes are always much more elaborate. And number three, if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Conjecturing Horrors podcast with me as Laura. Hello. And Greg. What's going on, guys? And I'm your host, Rob. Uh, how you guys doing? How you guys doing tonight? Great. Hey. Healthy. Good. Laura's taking, well. Laura's taking shots already and making faces. <laughs> <laughs> and noises. And noises. And noises. I know. I'm she... trying so hard not to do it. <laughs> she looks, she looks like the she looks like the old woman in the bathtub when she takes a shot. It's kind of scary. Oh, yeah. that's fuck man come on well, your face gets like all wrinkled up and you like scrunch your nose and face it's all crazy looking you know oh i thought that was endearing come on i think that lady is actually not old i think she's young she's just really waterlogged <laughs> she's just waterlogged yeah that's like my the, theory like the actor oh. or the character the character i feel like she's young but she's just been in the water a long time which well, is that's really true annoying. we all know laura can hold her breath for a long time maybe she's been under the water too long that's why maybe that's know. you yeah yeah that's uh, true um uh, how's the gold room tonight is it like super popping because we're doing like a shining uh sequel movie this week oh it's popping it's popping off in there right now yeah lloyd's famous now so i don't know oh lloyd's famous uh which which lloyd are we getting tonight are we getting the good lloyd or are we getting a shitty replacement lloyd <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it look like an old actor from the 90s <laughs> with a with a weird uh, facial piece on, like all weird looking, you know? Hey, as long as he brings drinks, I don't care which Lloyd it is. No, I guess that's be, true. He could be you. It's fine. Oh, me? Oh, well. Yeah. You they should ask me. I might have been better than somebody in this movie. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, let's see. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We got this. Uh, where are we at? So, yeah, we're doing 2019's Doctor Sleep this week. Uh, I guess quotes... I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, it's a direct sequel to The Shining, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of reviews I read, people are like, this shouldn't be a fucking sequel. People that didn't like it were actually angry. So, um, there's a lot going on, whether it's a book reference sequel, if it's a movie sequel, if it's everything trying to be one sequel. Both. Yeah. A lot of shit. A lot of shit with this movie. Yeah. But that's what we're doing tonight. Let's see if we can figure it out. Uh, let's see what we're wearing tonight. Uh, what do you think, Laura? What are you wearing tonight? I am dressed as Rose the Hat. I, okay, I'm not obsessed with what she does, but I'm obsessed with her. I mean, I think she is just, like, I want to be her, not her from the movie. <laughs> I just really want the aesthetic, like, I want the wardrobe. Oh. 
yeah. She just had a cool style. Super hot. Yeah. You just want to look like her. That's it. You just want to look like her. Yeah. I just want to look like her and be her. I just, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with her. So I've got the top hat. I've got like a, like a a flowery shawl, very hippie-ish. Um, I couldn't do any dreads in my hair, obviously, but I did a few braids. I have a feather hanging off of one. And then I'm wearing one of our shirts. Our mm. all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy underneath because oh, you got to do it. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I that's like true. one shining shirt. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have multiple shining shirts, Laura. Come on. We got two, three, seven shirts. Uh, oh shit you're right I think, I think we've got another one laura hasn't been on the store in a while she doesn't know yeah uh i think i'll, I'll jump in next because we're wearing the same exact shirt i'm wearing the headphone jack shirt yeah. we got going to me it's one of my favorite shirts we made and created um, i know i love the shirt so i'm wearing that shirt you know speaking of uh you know wanting to embody somebody i'm literally sucking a soul uh out of a canister uh that i had uh you know my eyes are going a little white there we were joking before we came on that if somebody photoshopped a, a dick in there it would look super accurate. <laughs> so if anybody be listening, please don't do that. Uh, but if you do tag us, I actually want to see it because I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> What's wrong, Laura? Are you, are you drinking? Are you I, drinking? I'm right drinking. Now? I'm drinking. I've been, nice. I've been, I've been in the gold room for a while now. I've been hanging out. I got here All a little right. bit early. You know, I went up, up into a room with a bear. You know, we had a little bit of fun. Uh, it's good. It's- <laughs> so, okay. I, I, I get where this is going now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's been it's been a good night for me so far, you know. Um, Greg, what do you what do you got going on tonight? What's in your mouth? <laughs> Absolutely Jesus. nothing. So there's nothing to Photoshop. So, oh. um, I am Laura's counterpart. What is this guy? Bone Daddy. What is this guy's Crow name? Daddy. <laughs> Crow Daddy. Yeah. Bone, Crow Bone Daddy. Daddy is what they were calling me while we were always setting up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have uh, also a top hat. I grew up my hair for about a week. Um, <laughs> then, I, then I cut it. So, <laughs> and I threw on some uh, random hippie dippy uh, shirt and some jewelry. So there we go. And I'm also breathing in some of that uh, that soul dust. You know, that mm. stuff that gets into your heart steam. and the uh, steam. steam steam rejuvenates your soul. Soul juice keeps you alive for another millennia. Soul sperm. Nice. I like it. I like. Like oh my god we are there <laughs> i'm starting to theme already guys jump on i with know me. come on, come on with me, guys. coming jump on this little train going around a little fake uh thing of marionette of houses you know jump on the train with me um i like you greg good outfit uh your hair looked awesome man sorry you had to cut it dude but it looked dope uh, it was worth it it yeah, was worth it that's probably true that's probably true yeah. uh let's see what we're drinking tonight uh, uh let me get the drop going here what's in the cups all right what are we drinking laura we are drinking Jack Daniels, man. This is a throwback to our Shining episode, which was episode 12. Uh, yeah, so are you guys drinking Jack Rocks or uh, Jack and Coke? I am drinking a Jack and Coke to try to dull the taste because I am very out of practice, clearly um, drinking whiskey and bourbon. Ooh. Yeah, I Yikes. definitely need to dull my taste from uh, what happened before the pod. Uh, I'm drinking Jack and Coke, too, um, as well. <laughs> I don't know if Laura understands what I'm talking about. Well, Greg did. Greg understands it, you know. <laughs> something with the furry? Something, yeah, something there, yeah. yeah. By the way, <laughs> Rob, I, I look, you, I, I asked these guys what is their favorite horrorish character because I wanted to create a TikTok <laughs> and uh, get our picks. And Rob threw in the the bear suit guy. And look, man, it's up there on TikTok. You, that's your pick. And uh, it's official. I don't, now. Yeah, I don't. I didn't have many scenes to choose from. I just showed that one scene and I just zoomed in and out, and that's what you got. So. <laughs> 
it's official now, guys. It's official. You know, that's yep. uh, that's me right there. Yeah. Uh, oh man. That's <laughs> funny. It's funny. Yeah, you can check out our TikTok. What is that? Conjecturing Pod, right, yeah. Greg? Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Check out me saying I love furries uh, on there. Um. <laughs> But good drink, Laura. Good drink choice, of course, is where we're going to go with what we did with the original Shining episode we did. Do you remember what episode that was, Laura? Was it back on like 20-something? Episode 12. 12. Holy wow. shit. Way early on. Crazy. Our longest episode, I believe, was like three hours we did. Yep. Nice, nice. Cool, cool. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that, they can. Uh, let's see here. Uh, show news updates real fast. I don't think we have any new updates other than, you know, the stuff we talked about last week with Discord and uh, drinks and stuff like that. But you can find all that stuff on last week's episode or on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, let's see. A quick ad read real fast. Uh, let's see. This episode is sponsored by Amazon Music Unlimited. With Amazon Music Unlimited, listeners get unlimited access to over 70 million songs, on-demand music, which is always ad-free, and are able to listen offline with unlimited skips. By signing up with the promo link, you can get Amazon Music Unlimited free for 30 days and cancel anytime. So go to getamazonmusic.com slash conjecturingpod to get started. Um, do we get any follow up from previous show? Last week we did Scream 2, Laura. Scream 2, your pick. I was mm-hmm. slightly angry, maybe a tad. Um, what did you think about last week's episode, Laura? I loved it. Uh, mm. Re-listening, I just want to let everyone in on a little secret. Um, that's not how the episode went down at all. <laughs> Laura. Uh, <laughs> Rob was about, I don't know, 30 times as angry as he sounds. <laughs> Uh, he was really angry. And so therefore I was really, really, really sad, but because Rob's a really good editor, I feel like you were like kind of angry and I was kind of sad, but for the most part, you just kept in the parts where we were having fun. So I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to keep it real, but this was a little too real. We would have just brought everyone down. So, uh, good job. Wait. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Covering for myself, you know, um, what, what did you think, Greg, being like the, the child of two arguing parents for two hours? Yeah. What did yep. you think, Greg? I just want to say that, look, it it worked out, I think, because of the game. I think you diffused mm. a lot of that tension early on. And I just want to say at the roughly around the 20 minute mark, Rob, when Rob starts to explain the rules of the game we're about to play, the giddiness in Laura's like laughter, this, you have like this cackle, you're laughing because you know you've already had the game in the bag. Yeah. It doesn't matter what we're going to do. And then when you found <laughs> out that it's friends trivia specifically around the episode, you just, you couldn't be happier. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I know what, I know what show I have to start watching now because I know another game's going to pop up pretty soon. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta yeah. figure it out, man. You gotta, you gotta know the answers there. I, I liked the episode. I thought it was good. I thought I had a fun time recording the angry version, so I, I was fine. It wasn't until afterwards that these guys were like, dude, you got to figure something out because this, this episode was rough. And I'm like, really? I was like, I had fun yelling at Laura. It was entertaining to me, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was fun. I liked the episode. If anybody didn't listen, go back and listen to it. If you don't like the movie, you'll be with me. If you do like the movie, you'll be with Laura. If you love Friends, just listen to it for that. We play a whole, maybe it wasn't actually that long, 20-minute game of Friends mm-hmm. trivia that I won't say who won, but... You know, I think you probably already know that much. Um, let's see. But uh, on to this week, like we say, we're doing Dr. Sleep this week. This was my movie pick, my sequel pick for sequel September. Um, and this is just a movie that I've wanted to see since I heard about it coming out in 2019. Because both you guys had seen this or not seen this? Not me. I had seen it once and I read the book mm. just like I did for The Shining. So I, I have a lot to say because uh, once again... It's very different. Maybe not as different as The Shining, but 
still very different. Cool, cool. I'm excited to hear some of that reference because I know I didn't read the book. I'm pretty sure Greg didn't read the book. Um, so that'd be pretty cool to hear that. Um, so before we get into more of the movie here, let's do our horror segment of the week. Let me get the drop going here. All right, I got a question for you guys this week. Uh, yes, yeah, so for uh, this movie, you know, of course, they shine in this movie, which, you know, they have like powers, you know, they're like freaking X-Men mutants. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys, if you could shine, what ability would you want to have in your shining and why? What, what do you think, Laura? Dude, astral plane, baby. I want to astral plane everywhere. Oh, you want to fly in the sky like Rose in this movie? Hell yeah. I want to go to Maui. Oh, Maui. Go to Europe. Go to Italy for a little bit. And I also think that by being able to astral plane, you kind of get a secondary power just in that, which is infinite knowledge. Because if I need to find out something that's going on, I would just astral plane to that time, that era. Or maybe it's happen happening simultaneously in something where I couldn't physically be there. And I'm going to now have that information wow. about that astral plane. Nice. All about that ass. I like it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All about that astral. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Greg? Uh, what are you Wait. picking? Does it sound like a body part? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get a little bit more clarification. When you say if you could have any shine power, like you're saying I can't like have claws, like it has to be like, like a telepathy. No, kind of power, I honestly or? don't know this movie. I put it in my notes. These are fucking X-Men mutants they're creating <laughs> now in this movie. Like they people like the one chick could like push people, you know, like make people do and say what she wants. Uh, the little kid in this movie, the little little baseball boy, uh, can like read people's minds. I guess. So I guess maybe there are mostly it's, it's mind all through related. the mind. It's all, any power you could have through your mind. So no, I don't think like turning into Wolverine is gonna show up in a in a future <laughs> Stephen you King. Do you want to like, grow out your hair again and do Wolverine haircut, Greg? Is that what well, you want? I, or like, can I blast lasers out of my eyes? Can I do that too? In, no. your, in the mind, you can. You can like fight somebody in their mind world or some shit yeah. like that. I think. Okay, here. Okay, I got it. Did you guys ever watch that movie Powder? Yeah, yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Yeah, why are you bringing this up? Do you guys remember that scene where he goes out and he's around that hunting party and he touches the deer yeah. and then he transfers the deer's pain to the hunter? Ooh, yes. yeah. I, I've always felt like this is something our modern world needs. Not necessarily in that degree, but I feel like there's so much misunderstanding and miscommunication, especially with like, you know, liberals and conservatives and intellectuals and religions and people just don't really understand each other. I would want the power of like supreme empathy. Like I want to take someone's mm. whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, whatever is in that in that brain of yours, that pain, that suffering, your history. I want to take it. And if you're having a conversation with someone, you're talking to someone trying to figure out, I want to be able to just place it right in their head so they feel exactly what you feel. Ooh. So there's just an instant transmission of of understanding. And I feel like we could use a little bit more of that today. So that would be, I mean, as far as brain powers go, like, yeah, wow. whatever you would call that. That's what I want. That's I want to be deep, powder. Dude. That's good, man. You went you deep in be that. Powder. You went deep in yeah. that ass. Good job, man. I like it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We definitely need to review, I think, Powder one day because it's a pretty fucked up movie. That is a fucked yeah, up movie. Right? And I yeah. had forgotten all about it until you brought it up. But it all just came like blasting back at me. Like, oh, my powder God. In your face. Yeah, powder in my face. Somebody's throwing powder in Laura's face. Oh, <laughs> It's worse. That it was in. Uh, it's not as bad as what was in my face. Uh, let's see here. So for me. You know me, what? I, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm learning why <laughs> you're not normally allowed to drink. I, I'm learning. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is what happens. Not because you know? you'll mess up. It's hey, not all working for that up, pray, Laura. Makes makes Rob a dull boy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. There you go. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm on, I'm on edge tonight. And, and um, don't forget, don't forget. The mind is a blackboard, and whatever Rob's drinking is the eraser. All oh. right. Greg's just pulling out crazy knowledge tonight. I like it. Good job, man. See, Greg's allowed to drink because it makes I know, him he gets do like, this. He gets like more great. philosophical. I turn into like a prepubescent teenager with a <laughs> dick in his mouth. <laughs> I was like, what happened? What happened to me? Oh, that's funny. Uh, oh, but who's shit. having more fun? I'll tell you that much. Uh, let's see. For for me, I, I definitely would want uh, the power to hear people's thoughts. I thought there's that one scene Ooh. in this movie where she can hear what people are thinking. I thought that was super cool. You know, I can use it to my advantage for things, stuff like that. I know there's a negative side to any power we fucking have. No, you're shaking your head, Laura. You don't like that. That sounds like a dangerous power. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I disagree. I think that, well, I agree with Greg. I disagree with you, Rob. Like, you just, you just don't want me hearing what's in your mind, Laura. That's why, you know. Well, I don't yeah. think anyone, everyone's got those <laughs> random, right, Laura? Like, come on. Sure. Everyone's got the random darkness that comes out of left field where you're like, mm. why did I think that? Oh, and then yeah. if someone picks up on that that thought, that just seems like the most mm-hmm. condemning uh, thing that could ever happen to you. Absolutely, uh-huh. but I'm thinking more for you, Rob. Like, I, I'd be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. You're going to start hearing it, and it's going to start really upsetting you, depressing you, and then you're not going to be able to turn it off. Well, I can't even have the power to control it. I'm not at least good at my power. <laughs> <laughs> Get the well, I'm probably drunk and, and in a bathroom somewhere, so I guess maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. That's probably true. Why are you in a bathroom? <laughs> Listen to last week's episode. You know why? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. So let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, if you if you want to send in your you send in what you what powers you would want, how you would want to shine. Laura's disappeared off screen again. Uh, you can email conjecturingpod at Gmail. Hit us up Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod, or leave us a voicemail on our website podpage.com slash conjecturing pod uh so let's uh let's get to the movie let's let's get to the movie it's time to shine again let's get going here like we said movie we're doing dr sleep 2019 film director writer uh mike flanagan he did what hush gerald's game he did the netflix haunting of hill house have you guys seen any of those movies all of them really yeah and a haunting of hill house most recently that is mm-hmm. fantastic legit legit shit legit shit all hmm. legit hmm. Yep. well and gerald's game was actually all also a Stephen King novel. Wow, that's interesting. So hmm. it's it's another situation where they're kind of keeping it in the family. Hmm. Like I think that there are friends. I know Stephen King greenlit this, was super happy with how this came out. But also just I'm sure you noticed this too, Greg. The cast and all of Mike Flanagan's shit, they're all the same people. Yeah, the, he just goes from one like the the girl from uh, Gerald's Game is in Haunting a Hill House. Like they they borrow the same uh, actors and actresses, which is we see that actually yeah. a lot in the movies that we watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can't. There's a handful of people in this that it's, were all, it's in, all the the not crew or whatever the hell they're calling them, right? Well, and then Hen- Henry Thomas, he's in. Mm. Um, oh, you know, I was wondering when they got him. And, Interesting. Oh, okay, okay. Cool, and his cool. wife, uh, Mike Flanagan's wife in real life, she was in Hush and she was in Haunting of Hill House. So. Oh, wow. Crazy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm glad you guys have seen all those movies. At least you have a reference of where this guy is coming from, what he can do, uh, stuff like that. Because I don't. I've never seen any of those. So this is a first yeah, time great. director. Mm, Very okay, talented. Cool. All right, let's see what he did with this movie here. Uh, budget uh, got like 30 to $55 million. I think I read somewhere around $50 million for this movie. Um, box office only $72 million. To me, that, that's disappointing to me. I couldn't believe it was so low. That was before COVID. So you can't even have that as an excuse. Yeah. You know, 
I was expecting a lot more. I mean, a Shining sequel. I mean, how did this not at least I, make $100 million? I don't remember the marketing on that movie. Do you guys? I, I saw a trailer Nothing. in the theater, Nothing. and I think that was it. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I, I know. I think I read something that definitely after this movie went to like, you know, streaming and Amazon and stuff like that, that it did have like a big uh, resurgence then. But I guess mm-hmm. nobody saw it in theaters, really. Not that much. It's kind of crazy. Crazy. Uh, Laura, you want to do interesting facts? Yes, let's do it. So Stephen King first got the idea for Dr. Sleep in 1998 when he was at a book signing and someone asked him what happened to Danny Torrance from the novel The Shining. Um, and it was a question that he had often asked himself. And another question he had asked himself is what would have happened to Jack Torrance had he found AA? Mm. So he kind of merged those two ideas together and gave him inspiration to write Dr. Sleep. That's pretty cool. I know. I think I, I think I read a, or actually, I mean, <laughs> I'll, let's tell you guys right now. So this movie is what, two and a half hours long, right guys? Mm-hmm. Pretty long movie. Uh, do you guys know there's a director's cut that's even longer? I wow. heard, but I didn't watch it. I bought it and watched it, of course, mm-hmm. knowing me and what I did with the original Shining was find the shorter UK cut and watched it for reference. Yeah. So, uh, but one of the cool things about that was it had all these bonus content on it. And one of them was like an interview with Stephen King about what you're talking about, Laura, and just saying that, mm. saying that Stephen King, he was a uh, pretty much a functional alcoholic back in the day, if not worse. Um, mm. and when he wrote the original Shining, he was in that mindset of an alcoholic, somebody that drinks, you know, I don't know if he was abusive or not, but he could relate to that. And then he said when he wrote Dr. Sleep, he had been sober for years. So it was mm. definitely like being able to, you know, embody these two people in this movie in real life situations. I thought it was super interesting. You know, I mean, I've never read the book, so I can't really say I referenced that. But as far as the movie goes, mm-hmm. I think it works. What do you think, Laura, somebody that read both books? Well, first of all, I'll say that this is not the first time I'm hearing that he did that. It sounds like a lot of his novels were based off of some aspect of his life. I mean, mm. when we did Pet Cemetery, I remember that being a fact, like he pulled on a lot of things from his childhood. Yeah, he wrote that. Um, so I think that that's what makes the characters so, I I mean, it works because he knows his shit. He's writing these characters and has lived through some of what they've lived through. Yeah. So I think that that's really interesting. I think it's an incredible skill to be able to take just, I mean, I also heard that he experienced some kind of situation where he was at like an old folks home or or a hospice. And there was a cat that was known to go from room to room. And would go to the rooms where people didn't have much, you know, time left. And he took wow. in that kind of like, he paired that with the idea of the sequel to The Shining and that kind of, um, that lent to that. I think it's just amazing for someone to be able to take that and kind of weave it into like an actual story. That's, yeah, incredible talent. That's crazy. All right. Do you got another interesting fact, Laura? Yeah, yeah, I have a few more. Um, so it took a lot of negotiating to get this film made. Mike Flanagan had to convince Stephen King. Um, basically had to convince him to do this because as we talked about in our last episode of The Shining, Stephen King hated Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. You know, I mean, it was drastically different and he did not greenlight that the way that he greenlit this movie. So I think it took a lot. Um, and one of the reasons why Stephen King probably needed a little bit of talking, you know, down to, <laughs> to do this sequel is because Mike Flanagan had to explain to him Everyone knows the movie The Shining. Okay. The movie is much different than your novel was. So 
this does need to be a sequel to the movie. But and I know we'll talk about this more. But luckily, I think that he was able to pull on both yeah. Doctor Sleep, the novel, mm -hmm. you know, and being a sequel to the movie. And so that's why Stephen King gave it a go. Yeah, exactly. He probably read that script and he's like, oh, nice. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this one's really cool. I did not know this, so I had to rewatch it to try to catch it. But Danny Lloyd. He is the actor who played the original Danny Torrance from the Shining film. He makes a cameo in the movie. He's at the baseball game and he's listed in the credits as spectator. Yeah, because I think he's the <laughs> nice. one that the guy's talking to when the kid hits the ball. And mm -hmm. one of the guys is like, oh, this kid, he can like he can see the ball. He's going to be a pro one day. And then the Danny yeah. Lloyd guy is like, oh, OK, you know, like mm -hmm. it wasn't a very good take. They could have given him a second take, I think. But, you know, <laughs> well, you know, he has not acted in anything since the Shining. Oh, that's He's true. He's like a retired actor. So, that's true. You know. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck me then. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all the furry upstairs. Oh, that's Love true. Unreasonably <laughs> judgmental, Rob. I guess. Asshole. Yeah. Fuck, fuck <laughs> me again. Then. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Cool. Is that all the interesting facts, Laura? Yep. That's it. Nice. Nice. Uh, let's see where we're going to go here. You want to do cast, Laura? Yeah. So we got uh, Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance, uh, Kylie Kieran or Kieran as Abra Stone. Rebecca Ferguson, my new lesbian crush as Rose the Hat. Uh, Cliff Curtis as Billy. Carl Lumbly as new Dick Holleran. Zane McLaren as Crow Daddy Greg. <laughs> That's Bone Daddy to you. Bone Daddy. And Alex Esso as new Wendy Torrance. Nice, nice. Cool, cool. Uh, you want to do synopsis, Laura? Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Dr. Sleep is a sequel and it takes place. I mean, we're talking like 30 years after the original, something crazy something like that. Um, and, you know, it it does pick up a little bit with seeing what exactly happened to Danny and Wendy right after all of the events of The Shining. And, you know, little little Danny stopped talking for a little while. Um, he had to put his ghosts away in his mind because they continue to haunt him. And then we jump ahead and we see that he's grown up and he's very troubled. I mean, all of that trauma from his childhood is still after him. And to kind of deal with that, as well as silence his quote unquote shine, he is a raging alcoholic and his life is in shambles. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So let's just start with the opening intro setup of this movie. I mean, like you said, Laura, it's a long movie. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to kind of maybe jump around a bit here. Uh, the opening, there's three storylines going on in this. So I don't know how far you even want to take it. Uh, so what did you think, Laura, uh, of the opening? You know, you can, like I say, you can take it as far as you want in this movie. To me, the opening could be 45 minutes. Shit. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, Laura, how this movie started? I loved it. I loved how it started. We the very, very first scene we get is um, a young little girl also from the haunting of Hill House, <laughs> little Violet, wow. you know, walking around. And that's where we first meet Rose the Hat. And we know right away that she is out to harm her. And that I thought that first scene was super effective. I mean, I wouldn't say that this movie is super scary. Um, there's definitely really some not. horrifying scenes, maybe, but it's not scary. But you're still uneasy because um, and <laughs> this whole movie, they're they're like after kids, which we've talked about this a lot. Like that's kids are untouchable and it's something that really it's really hard to watch. So that first scene for me in the opening, it was awesome. 
um, we kind of meet this woman who looks really harmless. I mean, Rose is like this pretty young hipster, really. And she just doesn't look like she could cause any harm. Laura just wants to make out with her instantly on that. On that Dude, on that, I'm uh, freaking obsessed <laughs> with her. Yeah. <laughs> she could pull you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. She can have me join her. <laughs> Laura goes and pushes the little girl into the water. <laughs> I'll it eat doesn't your, help. I'll, <laughs> Laura's like, I'll eat your flower. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about the flower. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't help that in the book, uh, Rose is a lesbian, by the way. There's no, Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. I wouldn't, not surprising. They've been alive for like hundreds of years. I mean, you got to experience everything by now. Shit. Yeah. Her and a snake bite girl. Wait, what was up with the flower? So why did she eat that flower? What was that about? <laughs> was that I, metaphorical? I think it was symbolism because like her okay. name, the little girl's name was Violet and then she was eating a Violet. I think it was a symbolism okay. of like, I'm going to fucking eat you, you mm-hmm. know, not nice. Like Laura wants it, like a bad one, you know, <laughs> Shit. you started right. it, Laura, you started it. Okay? I, know, I did start it, but let's, yeah, we got to move on because okay, we, right, right. I could talk about this scene for two and a half hours. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I thought, I thought that was great. And then, yeah, we jumped really, like I said, into what has happened to Danny. And I thought that they did it. <laughs> For as long as this movie is, they did it pretty quickly and yeah. it was effective in that you can see that there's definitely trauma there and he is just not going to be okay. And then we jump in and see how he is as an adult and it's um it's spot on for something that he went through, what would happen. So for me, that's kind of the main intro. Yeah. Okay. All right. Leaving completely out the little girl in this movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about you, Greg? Oh, wait, you I haven't like- gotten there yet. Well, to me, that's why I'm saying, like, it's just weird how this movie plays out. Like, to me, the intro could be so fucking long, really. Yeah. Because you have three main characters in this movie, three storylines. To me, Mm -hmm. it would be when she gets her introduction, too, would be actually an intro, you know? Um, But Laura didn't care about her. Uh, Greg, uh, what do you think of, like, the intro opening of this movie? I think the intro ends like at, at, at the end of a uh, young Danny. Mm, so Thank you. Oh, okay, right. right. So well, the first fuck me scene- again, fuck me a third time. <laughs> <laughs> Get, getting chafed guys. Stop it. <laughs> the, the first, uh, I guess half of this intro sets up the problem. These, uh, this group of, uh, you know, th- this tribe of weirdos kidnaps a girl. Of course they consume <laughs> her soul, but yeah, I agree. You know, Rose, the magician, what is her name? Rose, the hat, the hat, yeah, Rose the Hat. She is, yeah, very, you know, attractive. She's got like a very squarish kind of, j- like, you know, jawline, very pleasant features, but she's kind of like the draw and a very big contrast to the rest of her group. Her group is a bunch of freaky looking people. And I actually think like it's the, the shot, you know, that pan out shot where the, the group is just standing around yeah. in the forest looking yeah. at the girl and they're shot. spaced as if they're shooting the cover of a, a new music album. And then when the girl looks <laughs> up again they're a little bit like 10 feet closer mm-hmm. i don't know why i just thought that was really creepy um and but of course uh very sad and terrible and obviously they're preying on a little girl which is you know atrocious but it sets up the problem of the story like this group is out to get somebody or something so super effective really creepy you want to know more you want to know who are these weird carnies that are like different heights different widths different <laughs> looks different you know everything it's interesting but then it jumps into Greg, greg's focusing on some very weird 
things to it, me. <laughs> their height, the way they're spaced. <laughs> it's like, what? They look, Laura's they like, do, I just want to make out with person. Like, what's happening right probably. now? They do look like, uh, a, like a, a Walmart version of X, the X-Men in, in some way, <laughs> a right? Walmart version. Like nice. one's got goggles. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we'll get in, we'll get, we'll get yeah, into he, it. When he's we talk definitely about Toad. That was Toad. He was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, anyway, but then, you, okay, so you do flash to a, a young Danny and you see like what his life is like with his mom, um, immediately following the events of The Shining. And I thought it was good and bad. The part th- th- that I thought was good was when Danny goes and meets, uh, Halloran mm. and, um, you know, he's walking around his house at night and he, you, you could tell that he's still getting haunted by some of the, the ghosts from The Shining. And he walks past the bathroom and he hears the swishing of the bathwater. That was so creepy to me. Um, but at the same time, I did feel like the interaction between um what is his mom's name wendy wendy between wendy and danny was kind of rushed Mm. the fact that she called him doc right away and he started sucking his thumb i don't know something about that seems seemed very rushed to me um and i wasn't a huge fan but then when i look at the fact that this is a two and a half hour movie that really just washes away that's kind of like meaningless it's just meant there meant to show you how he's been able to cope with his demons you know between the moment between the time where he was a kid and you know uh how old is he supposed to be when he's an adult in this movie Ooh, like man. 40 like, like 40s, in his 40s? Oh, okay yeah yeah so yeah. you learn a little bit about his coping mechanisms which i thought was cool he kind of goes out and you can he's still interacting with the ghost version of dick halloran and he gives him more tools to cope with his demons and like laura said he basically just shuts them up in these boxes and i thought that was cool because then when it flashes to the older version you realize that he's kind of like repressed all of these memories and he has a way of doing it but of course repression as we all know is a horrible coping mechanism it's effective in the moment but like over time it's just you're bottling up fears and pains um, you know, only for them to just boil over and, and jump out, which kind of sets up some of the tension in this movie. So I, I, I love that whole opening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the opening too. I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of weird because I did watch the three hour director's cut. So like my memory of like the opening is like kind of fighting with itself right now because in the, in my one I watched, you have the, you have Rose and the creepers. They have their little scene. You have fucking Danny, his little opening. Then you have an actual third opening of the little girl that's not in the original cut, which I thought was fucking really cool. I wish they would have used it. Uh, it, it in the in the director's cut one. Uh, it, it goes cuts to the girl and uh, it's her playing a piano when she's little. It's right. I think it's right before the um, her birthday party. So she's playing mm-hmm. the piano and then her parents are like watching her, like uh, kind of looking at each other like, I didn't teach her that. Did you teach her that? She's like, no, she's like, she's playing it like not well, but like good enough to where you're like, holy shit. So then she goes to bed and the parents get woken up in the middle of the night and they hear the piano and they come downstairs and there's nobody at the piano. It's just playing by itself. Like a ghost is playing it, which I thought was fucking super yeah. creepy to me. And like that worked really well in the opening, like giving her that secondary like opening to me rather than like the the spoon one they do later on, which I thought yeah. worked. But those together is like, oh, shit, this is pretty creepy. So I kind of, you yeah. know, a bummed that's not in the director in the regular cut because I thought it worked really well. But uh yeah, just seeing Man, just seeing little Danny again and fucking Wendy, you know, in, in the opening to call around, like, I didn't know how it was going to feel. I, I didn't really research anything about this movie. I didn't know that they were going to do this. I didn't know they were going to recast people. I thought maybe they would just go back and use clips for things maybe or something like that. So I was kind of like, oh, shit, we're going with this way. All right. 
I mean, just just right away, like the like seeing like the hallway again is cool. And like seeing the bike is cool. It just felt like off to me, though. Like because it's not. Yeah. The original. It's not. It's, it's different. Yeah. There are differences. And like yeah. and maybe we'll get into production design later, maybe. But just just like um, I don't know, like. It, I, it's like not the original set. It just, you could totally tell it's like a recreation. Like, I don't know why the, the uh, like everything seems brighter for some reason. Like it just didn't, it just, and not that it took me out in the moment, but it just kind of was a little jarring. It took me, actually it did take me out of the movie a bit to be like, oh shit, we're doing this now. Um, even the bike itself, I thought was like, that kind of doesn't even look like the bike to me. It looked completely kind of different to me, the bike mm. a bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, get, I thought the little kid was good. The little kid, the new, new Danny, whatever you want to call him now. Um, I thought he was fine. People online bitch about his eye color is not right. I'm like, oh, whatever, guys. You I know? mean, this, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know, I, I'm more, you know, whatever. Uh, I thought the new Wendy lady, I thought she was pretty good. I thought Holy she, shit. She I, sounded yeah, exactly she sounded just like, like her. She, did not she, look like her. Did not, yeah. Yes. But sounded just she, like her. She was really We're, good at getting wow. those. She screams Danny. Yeah. Oh. She was really good at getting that, that, uh, the mannerism and like the voice, uh, Whatever you want to call it, the way she, the way the original Wendy speaks, you know, yeah, really good. I love the fact when Danny and and Dakota and Guy are having their conversation on the bench, and the new Wendy comes running over. She like flails her arms like she did. <laughs> I thought that looked yeah. perfect. That looked like Wendy running. I was like, how many takes did you do that? Because that was like awesome. Um, yeah. but the really the person who steals this movie for me, I love you, McGregor, is the new Dick Olleran guy. Oh, like oh, yes, like for I mean, we'll get to what happens later on, and the big guy comes back. We'll talk about him later. But but Dick Holleran guy, oh, I forget this new actor's name. But man, he to me Carl was like Lumley. it was like the same person to me. It was yeah. crazy. Like I know it's not I know it's not Scatman Carruthers. I know that, but and I know it doesn't look a hundred percent like him. But geez, talking about like mannerisms and speech patterns and like a vibe you get from him. Holy shit, that whole yeah. nailed it. Because every scene with him, I'm like, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite scenes or anything with this actor. Because they're just so good. He's giving such good information to Danny, both young and old in every scene. Uh, he fucking, talk about shining. He shined for me in this fucking movie. <laughs> I fucking yeah. loved his fucking take. Yeah, the thing with with him, he's, you feel so, you feel the same level of comfort as you did with the original Han Halloran. You know, he's the guy that's going to like, you know, take you to the side and just like tell you that it's going to be all right. You know, he's got like a, you know, bowl of soup ready for you or like a, a glass of lemonade. <laughs> he's just going to tell you something nice and comfort you when you're in a, a moment of, of pain or need. And he, he, the way that his speech patterns were almost identical to the original. That was, yeah. it was Nuts. so spot on. And I just, right, I just appreciated it. You agree, Laura? Yeah. 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 He was exactly. They were both Wendy and Dick Holleran just like sounded just like them, acted just like them. it was crazy. Yeah. I don't know how I know practice makes perfect and people are very talented and are actors, but I just don't know how you could ever get to a point where you sound identical to someone like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it kind of just says like, I, I really dug the opening, the, the opening as much as I was thrown off by new actors seeing like the shining again, but like, it's not the same exact one. Like it kind of threw me off. I really dug the opening in this movie. I was really like in it. 
I was like, I want to know what's going to happen. I'm super in this, this movie. Um, did you guys want to talk about when you get into like the secondary openings now of, of, uh, what's her name? Abracadabra. What's her name in this movie? Abra. <laughs> can, can you believe I read something that the, the writer, right? The writer, the writer, Mike Flanagan, like didn't even think naming her Abra and it being Abracadabra, like was a connection at all. He was like, Oh, no, what? Stephen he, King. Stephen King's the writer of the novel. He, her name's Abra. She's a big part of the book. Same. So, and, and Stephen King has come out and said that, that he named it because of Abracadabra. No, he just named her Abra. That's a name. Which is that's not a name. It's, <laughs> it's literally name. the short version of Abracadabra. <laughs> he had no. He like didn't. He did not put that together. So when he saw that in the movie, like Abracadabra, he was like, oh, oh, so like, so that's not in the book then, Abracadabra, the whole magic. No. Oh, no. okay, okay, okay. What's her, name? What's her yeah. name in the book? Abra. Oh, but okay. no one ever well, says Abracadabra. How many times can we say Abra in a one minute span? Jesus. <laughs> I think, look, look, that's okay. That's silly. That's like saying, okay, I'm going to name the kid Alakazah. <laughs> not thinking that it, it's actually a magical word of some kind. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize Alakazam. Come on. Uh, come on all right. All right. But what, what did you guys think of, of her opening of this movie? Uh, like, so this is a long movie. You have one where she's little, one where she's older. I don't know how we're going to jump through this now. But what do you think of, of her and her as a character, I guess, more or less in this movie? Uh, what, what do you think, Laura? I dig it. Um, I Again, I'm going to be super biased because of the book. And this character was in the book. So I was waiting for, you know, her to come because she's such a big part of the book. And she as is she in the movie. Um, and that storyline works for me because I think it brings new blood to this story. Um, I don't think that we could have had a two and a half hour movie and a long ass book of just Danny. Yeah. And I love that it's this kid who is like Danny, but she's a little bit older, just mentally better equipped to handle all that comes with it. Almost to the point where there are scenes, I know I'm jumping around, where Rose is like, you remind me of young me. Like, you're so powerful. And I don't know if this was in the movie, but like, there is a little bit of darkness in you. You just haven't like found it yet. And I just, I love that. I love giving kids such powerful characters. And I thought that the actress for the film uh, did an amazing job embodying that. Yeah, it's super interesting to think about like, the characters and who they are and it's like like abra is like beginning to realize these powers so she's known him for a while but it's beginning to you know kind of like you know get good at what she's doing and then you have these two kind of people not pulling her in different ways but you have uh danny you know ewan mcgregor who has suppressed his power saying i'm not Mm going to use it and then you have rose who embraced her power and completely used it i mean went dark but you have like two separate versions of the same thing where abra now has to make a choice she doesn't really have a choice to make when you start killing the kids, I guess. But, you know, yeah. it's just super interesting, that parallel of like the lightness and the dark of what happens with these powers. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Greg? What did you think of the, the Abra, the actress, like her storyline to begin this movie, more or less? Yeah, that's a good point, Rob. It, like the the spectra of how people use the shining. That's the fact that they kind of cover the whole thing in this movie is great. I think her role was both perfectly written and played like so. The, the thing I, I like the most about her about her character is that you look at her parents and they're, they're almost like supportive implicitly of her power like there's that moment where her mom asks her if she thinks uh her aunt is gonna die or it's just something right there, there's a moment mm-hmm. where her parents are sort of in tune to the fact that she has these abilities but 
they haven't like suppressed her or shut her down to the fact to the point where she feels like she doesn't want to use them or doesn't want to stay in tune with them the way that Danny does, right? So then that gives you a very wide open space to play this role, which I think Kylie Coran does very well because essentially she's young, so she has some inexperience. So she's reaching out to Danny as to say, look, I need some help. I don't really have many friends, uh, much less people who have the shine. So she reaches out to him. But at the same time, you know, um, so she needs help. But she's also very bold. Like and the way that she confronts Rose the Hat throughout the movie, she's kind of like got like a perfect balance of like, I need help and I, I need assistance. But yet I'm very much willing to like explore the extent of what I can do and help other people. So I thought like, yeah, like her being right in the middle of that range between Danny and Rose the Hat that spectrum was was great and she played it very well like there's a scene toward the end i know we're obviously not there but where you know she's pretty much tough the whole movie right and anything that happens to her she kind of just lets it roll off her back but there's the moment where she she's she's able to turn you and mcgregor back to like normal again and she goes oh there you are and i thought like you know that uh, that expression of emotion was great she's she's a really good actor um so yeah. i don't know I, I think they she did a really good job and her character is well written. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked her character. I thought her character was was really good. I mean, like, like we keep saying, this is a very long movie. There's a lot going on. I mean, I, I don't know what could be taken out of this movie to make it shorter to me. To me, two and a half hours was too long of a movie. I watched a three hour cut. I mean, of course, and it's just it's long. It's a long movie to begin with. Thank you. God, <laughs> Rob did that thing again where we're chatting ahead of time and Greg and I were like, this movie was too long. And Rob goes, really? I didn't notice. It's just like, <laughs> and this is coming after Scream 2 where he was all mad at like an eight minute car scene. I mean, I wanted to fucking punch you yesterday. Well, I figured like, that really? much. I figured that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, because to me, like, if you are going to cut this movie down to what I think it does probably need, it needs at least at least 15 minutes taken away from it, maybe 20. Like, how would you guys rank the three storylines in here? You know, the three storylines, the three main characters. How would you rank, you know, Danny's storyline, you know, Abra's storyline, and then, you know, the Creepers Rose storyline? What do you think, Laura? Well, that's hard. I feel like I know what can be taken out. But yeah, ranking, that that's a much more difficult question. I guess if I had to rank it, I would say you have to have the Danny storyline. He has to be is one, the right? shining. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, fuck. I don't that's really hard. You okay. gotta put you gotta put your side your love for Rose and wanting I know, to make exactly. out and so vacation I know. with her. Mm -hmm. Right. Vacation. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, you're right. Like Abra number two, because yeah. this is, like I said, this is the biggest part of this movie and the yeah. book. And then obviously Rose is the villain. The true knot is the villain. So we do need them. But I will say that we don't learn a whole lot about them for how much screen time they're given. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we can definitely cut some of those scenes out. If you're not going to give us information we need, then take it out. It's still they're still scary. We're not really missing out on anything. Yeah, I don't need to know about Grandpa Hobo or fucking Toad out there or whatever other X-Men they have in the woods. <laughs> like, I don't really care about them, honestly. Like you'd like Rose and I actually do like the other actor, the crow guy. He, he's actually really solid on this movie, and I think actually serves a purpose. The other people are just leeches. 
Um, but I'm with you, Laura. I'm exactly with you. Like they have way too much screen time to really just be like the 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 villain of the movie. What, what do you yeah. think, Greg? I'm a little bit of the opposite. I, I want I want them to have more screen time, but just not empty screen time. I well, want right. effective yeah. screen time. So one of my actually yeah. few negatives of this movie was that I feel like they did a good job of setting up the mystery of the not what are they called the not gang so true not <laughs> true not okay so they did a good the job not. of setting up the mystery of like okay <laughs> they show up in a group of in a, in a group of five you know they look like the backstreet boys on on crack and you know we don't know Jesus what they're capable Christ. of okay what so it's cool but then How like, dare about, you? about midway through the movie you find out that all they do is just travel around in rvs and and going and and sitting in lawn chairs and when they have the time they'll go and steal someone's soul that's not enough for me i feel like i want more of a i want to understand what they're capable of i want to understand you know we we got a little bit of how uh you know what's his name the old guy papa doc he's been around for like many centuries and he he came across the ocean and he lived amongst the romans and like that's a really cool story and and i want to know what everyone's capable of um yeah bone daddy had that that revolver in his belt and i thought he's clearly been around at least since the civil war era i don't think his name was bone daddy right Crow Daddy. Daddy. you have literally renamed the entire cast you have given a new name to everybody i this is crazy listen what i'm saying is that they they build up the mystery they're almost like um american horror story the the car the carney version Hmm. for like half the movie but then after that you have to deliver on their threat and the fact that you didn't get that you didn't understand what they're like can you guys tell me what is the shine ability of each of these characters I don't well, know. All we know is Rose. We know a little bit of Crow Daddy. We know a little bit of the blonde chick that was recruited. She can convince people to do things. But beyond that, I, I was really hoping for them to really kind of have a little bit of an X-Men mutant, X-Men mutant power. Like one that has telekinesis, one that has telepathy, you know, so that when it came down to like fighting time, they were able to use their shine powers in different ways. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't get that. So really when you guys were talking about this movie wasn't scary yeah it really wasn't scary it could have actually felt more threatening if you would have felt like these were legitimate forces that have been shining for centuries rather that you know they just seem kind of like amateurs by the end of the whole thing i don't know like like i get what you're saying greg but as far as like this movie goes you only have a certain amount of time to make this movie and i think this movie should be shorter I mean, if you yeah. want to know fucking more about fucking the other eight hobos that are living with them and you got Fatty Magoo over there that I'm pretty sure was a pedophile at some point. Um, like, I don't want to know more about them, to be honest. I want to know less. Like, I want to know. I just want more time with with Abra. I want more time with her. I want more time with Danny than I want more time with them. So my ranking would go definitely Dan, Abra, and then their their distant third. But Abra's story didn't seem like, okay, when you're a young child, this is like Danny in The Shining. I'm sorry, but I feel like your story is very limited. You haven't gone through life to experience like okay, the 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 not gang. They've been around for centuries. Like they've seen civil wars. They've seen countries and governments change. They've seen the economy and technology change. Like they have a, a, the potential for a vast, rich storyline. Like Abra's only been alive for like 15 years of her life. She hasn't seen anything like playing piano, go, seeing her birthday. Like to me, that's enough. Wow. I think you just want to join this not gang you're creating in your head. I think you want to be, you want to be the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys. You want to be a, whatever you want to call yourself, you know, start singing a song or something like that. I, 
I have to interject here and give one of my book tidbits. I mean, we knew oh. that I might not be able to hold it all till the end. But okay. yeah. Greg, is this better? Because I, I don't think this is better. I actually think the movie improved in this way. In the book, first of all, there were way more than like six or seven oh, wow. true not people. There were, really? there were a ton. They were all old, except for Rose. They're all like Grandpa Jack or whatever his name was? They were all grandpas and grandmas. Gross. And they all, same thing, sat in lawn chairs in front of RVs and caravaned around, and mm. they all tried to blend in. So mm. they would wear shirts that say, like, I'm a, like, I'm a grandma and things like that. <laughs> they okay. actually made them sexy in this movie. I was like, holy shit, it's taking the concept of the book and putting like Fleetwood Mac meets Twilight <laughs> Saga, New Moon and that's the vibe I get. And I li- I like it. I like that they have an edge, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I like the improvement. Then, then can you please explain, having been a person who has read the book, can you explain if, does the book tell us what is the purpose of living centuries if you're just going to be a background person that's blending in and not sticking your neck out or doing anything? I mean, th- this is one of my issues w- w- with stories. Like, I, we don't see them. What do they do for fun? If I had, uh, I don't know, if I had centuries to live, I'm going to go do something and not just sit out in the woods and uh, sit on a chair. So do, do they talk about why are they just, why are they wearing shirts that say I'm a grandma in the book? <laughs> So that they can blend in and people don't know that they're like centuries old. What a, what a shit retirement. It sounds like a horrible <laughs> retirement, honestly. That's interesting. But you get to live forever. Yeah, but isn't isn't the whole point of retirement of like, you know, going on trips and vacations you didn't do when you were younger because you couldn't right. afford it or you're saving it for retirement because you have less responsibilities and this and that. These people have been alive forever. They've had like the the ultimate retirement. And yeah, they're just like chilling. I mean, unless they've literally done everything. If they've done everything, they've done fucking anal and fucking every other thing <laughs> they want to do, <laughs> then then I could see them being like, well, what else are we going to do? Let's just sit on a fucking sit on a the chair. The and- goggles clearly have. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I did want to ask you though, Laura, too, about them in the book. Does it give any more backstory that you don't get in this mm. movie about them and what they are or anything? Because I, I put in my book, like, is Rose a fucking Babadook with that hat on? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, is she a Babadook? I, I mean, I don't know why actually she has the hat, but I do like how she keeps um, the whole thing about all the stuff in her hair is like little pendants from all of the kids that she's killed and she's mm-hmm. like keeping them on yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I'm sure at some point she has said, you can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so maybe she is a, she is a Baba Dicker. So, 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 so in the book, they don't elaborate more onto like who they are or like what they've experienced, anything more about like them as a tribe. I feel like everything that you get from the movie and you assume is also in the book and there i wouldn't say there's any more than that oh, it, wow. to me it's like it's enough it's what you no, need I, to know i agree i agree yeah. it, it to me it's enough and to me it's actually for the movie more than i even wanted i don't really care um but i was just wondering as a book usually a book has way more detail than a movie can yeah. so i was wondering if there was anything in there from the book so oh, okay there we go i guess greg wants more of the fucking not gang shit like that you know and me and laura want less uh but uh okay i actually think i'm switzerland here i i like them and i want to i agree with greg like if there was more information i would eat it up it's just the the scenes that we, don't don't do uh-oh, it uh-oh, don't do uh-oh. it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm holding it back, guys. I'm holding it back right now. Okay. 
But the seats that we were given, a lot of them were empty. And so it's like, well, if that's the case, you know, this is like a two hour and 35 minute movie. Cut that shit. We need to be cutting stuff that doesn't. For me, for me in my notes, I literally put, I just, I I like the opening of them. You get like how creepy are, how fucked up they are. You know, the taking the snake bite girl, I thought was like good because you're showing them what they actually do. Um, You know, maybe... Uh, getting into like the the baseball kid, his fucking scene, which is super fucking brutal. Like that's like the extreme of like this group, and I feel like that's really all I fucking need. Like I would have rather had those things like placed throughout the movie, and then left them more as like this mystery that's coming to fucking get this girl. I don't fucking need like the other like five or six scenes of them chilling around or asking fucking about like, Oh, you know, who's fucking hungry today. I'm hungry. Like fucking, I need more smoke in my mouth. I need this. Yeah. It's like I'd, Just all like bullshit. I don't need, I don't need a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, and I will tell you, I guess I, I'll give you more detail when we get into it later, but they actually are like, it's more crucial that they need steam in the book because they actually are all dying. Yeah. And they know it. Makes and sense. like, mm-hmm. so they, it's like, that's all they can think about because they're like, oh shit, we need it now. It's like really important. Yeah. Okay, Whereas okay. I don't think that that was the case for centuries, you know, they could like survive off of. It doesn't seem as dire in the movie. It seems like they need it, but it's not like fucking like, oh my God, like they're like rabid for it, you know? Grandpa Flick needed that shit, well- <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking need it. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's talk about like suspense atmosphere mood scares if you want to point out anything that actually got you i mean it's interesting because like the original shining to me it's not a very scary scary movie Mm -hmm. it's super like suspenseful and like the tones and the music and and stuff like that it's very eerie at times but it's not very jump scare ish um so i feel like this movie trying to make a sequel to it i thought would be interesting because it's like well then how do you do that because that's not modern cinema now, really, you know, like like nowadays it's about the jump scare and the cuts and this and that. So, like, uh, what did you guys think of the balance trying to do what they did and then doing it a little bit in this movie? What do you think, Greg? Well, yeah, I, you know, I've got to go back to the not gang. I, I think they're <laughs> they're the, the source of the threat. Like, so Rose seems to be the one that actually has some brains about her with the gang. So she's actually thinking and strategizing and she's on like a different threat of life. And I think the gang is really just kind of following her lead. And the first part of the movie, the scary part to me was like, as a group, we don't know what each of them is capable of either individually or as a group, right? So we didn't know. And I was thinking that, okay, these guys are X-Men from like (laughs) centuries ago. So this is where like, I I was actually on board with like the vibe and the atmosphere of, okay, well, if uh, Danny and Abra run into these guys, like they're screwed because these guys have been able to to stick around for centuries. They've been using their shining to, it's almost like a, a, what is it? Um, the Highlander. Tell me you've seen mm, the Highlander. Okay. At least one of them mm-hmm. where it's like the, you kill another Highlander and you absorb his energy and his power in order to, to be the one that's like, you know, left standing. So I feel like these are like a group of Highlander people. So yeah. I, I thought the vibe was really creepy and I thought the threat was real because they could locate them at any time. So I liked it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed like the threat, the fact that Danny and uh, Abri, uh, Abra had different views about what to do with the shining like danny was like okay look 
what I've learned is I need to keep a low profile. And that was actually keeping him under the radar. He's almost like if you've ever watched Dragon Ball Z, this is like the equivalent of holding your power level down. Right. So like they <laughs> so many able, references going on this episode. Guys. Yeah. Like this is how they were never able to <laughs> detect him, you know, from a child up to his you know middle age years. Right. But now Abra, she's just like, OK, yeah, let me go and like throw spoons in the ceiling and like look in. You know, she was like looking in. They called her a viewer. They, they, she could see what other people were seeing. Oh, I, I should have chose that power for my fucking power, so I won't have to be tormented by hearing that people hate me most of the time. Uh, <laughs> dang it! I wish I could what, go the back. viewing. Yeah, the viewing. I forgot about that one. That was actually a cool power. Yeah, I could see as many movies I I want without leaving my couch in the theater and shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry, Greg. Go for it, Greg. I forgot about that one. No, I mean that's that's pretty much like like as far as the vibe. It, what you're doing is th- it's so different from the from the Shining. The Shining was like you're watching the descent into madness of one person and the the chain reaction to his, his family in, a, in an isolated home. This movie is so different. It's like there's a story to it. There's there's a story arc there. It's almost like a drama in a sense. And is, the threat yeah. is people chasing them. It's, it's like so different. And like I feel like it kind of came to a head at some point like in that ambush scene where they decided to ambush the 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 not gang and like so yeah the the vibe I, I thought was like very tense the whole movie and i really appreciated that what do you think laura about the horish elements any scares you want to shout out what do you think i think that suspense wise for me there was a, a lot less suspense in dr sleep hmm. than there is in the shining um, and yeah, but I also feel like they did a good job keeping the vibe at about the same level. So you like, you know, as long as you assumed it was going to follow that same path, I don't think it should have been as different than what, I mean, for me at least, like I knew The Shining wasn't scary. I assumed this one wasn't going to be either if they were going to really try to stay true to the original. But yeah, I mean, do I think it was as scary or suspenseful i don't but i will say that then certain scenes really got me because i was like holy shit this is so graphic when like greg said i feel like i've just been watching a drama and then all of a sudden we have the scene where you know um basically rose and abra the things that they can do very strongly are just like astral plane and go view things they need to do and it's like they're there but they're not and in the one scene when Abra hurts her, you know, she yeah. gets her hand stuck in that cabinet and it's super graphic because she essentially is trying to like slip her own hand out of its skin to get out. So that was super graphic. And then I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this more, but the whole baseball boy scene Ugh. is really, yeah. really bad. And I actually have some interesting tidbits that it was really hard for them to shoot that. Like, uh, really? Mike Flanagan says it's the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. And uh, Rebecca Ferguson, whatever, who plays Rose, she was like, oh, this will be fine. I'm an actress. I got it. And she apparently burst into tears right after the scene. Um, apparently, Jacob Tremblay, who's a little boy, <laughs> he like got up after the first take and was just like, yeah, and, like high fived his dad, like nailed it. Right. And everyone else was just shocked and like sick and 
you know, because it's it's a kid. Yeah. It's so brutal. It's it's crazy too. Like watching this movie, like when they show the baseball kid, I'm like, wow, the kid looks like Jacob Tremblay. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then when he's walking on the street and they're about to pull him in the car, I'm like, fuck, that is Jacob Tremblay. I'm like, what is he doing in this movie? Like, and I'm like, it, does he like? Is he gonna stay the rest of the movie? Because to me, he's one of like the the top kid actors in Hollywood right now. Like any kid yeah. movie going, he's usually up for one of the damn roles. So mm-hmm. seeing him in this, I was like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. But then I, when you watch the fucking most graphic scene in this movie, you see why they got him for his acting ability as a child to pull off what he does. I mean, good Lord. You know, we, we review a lot of horror movies on here, a lot of graphic stuff. But man, his portrayal of like being gutted, literally gutted, his screaming, flailing around. I mean, you buy it so much that you get queasy watching it in this scene uh what what do you think greg about that scene in particular well thankfully they don't actually show it they don't really show unless in the director's cut they show something else but they don't they don't but that's even worse to me because i imagine like way way worse than probably what they're doing yeah i couldn't tell like you just see that rose has got some type of cutting tool and the whole point is that you know the more pain you cause the the more soul or steam or uh shine you can absorb from the character so like it was effective in advancing the story and like letting you know just how terrible these people are but it was so hard to watch i mean like you know again we always talk about like you know kids being harmed in movies it's just like it's just difficult to see yeah yeah it's a really graphic like you said laura fucked up scene coming off i don't know if i would say a drama up to that point but definitely nothing that graphic Um, but i I did want to shout out a couple of good jump scares that got me in this movie uh, the opening of the movie with the old lady in the bathtub, like, was super, really? super eerie to me. It was so eerie. That was, like, totally, like, The Shining. Like, you mm-hmm. nailed that vibe in there when she, like, just, like, opens the curtain a little bit and you see her slowly, like, peek forward. I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, too freaked out about the- it, it was the sound to me. Like, I invite mm. any of you to imagine, okay, get up at the middle of the night, around 2 a.m., you got to use the oh. restroom, and you hear, like, a swishing of water in oh, the bathtub. hell no. Hell no. That was, like, freaky no, when I'm, that happened to I'm him. pissing my pants. I ain't, get, I ain't going <laughs> in there, man. I ain't going to mess with that so shit. So you went and checked to see what was causing that water noise? No. no she could take a bath all she wants. I'm not going <laughs> in there to check that out. Yeah, no, no. But I, I thought that scene was really good. Another cool scene, a cool scene about the uh, extended cut is in in that scene where in the opening where uh you know Danny goes and locks the old woman or actually before that when Danny sees the old woman he pisses his pants and then the mom's changing him in the theatrical cut which you guys saw it just kind of cuts to the next scene uh and there's an extended one in the director's cut that the mom goes back to the bathroom and like looks around to see what's there and she sees two like wet footprints on the ground which i thought was made it even more eerie to be like oh shit like she even saw something too um, so I thought the old everything with the old woman I thought was fucking creepy. I really do like the opening shot too of Danny on his trike and he stops in front of room two three seven and the door opens and it's just black and you're just and they yeah. wait and they wait and they wait and then she like slowly comes out of the darkness. I thought was fucking really fucking eerie to me. Um, I think the other one that got me, I and mean, we'll talk about the ending when we get to the ending, but the other one that got me is the, is the crackhead lady, the crackhead lady and her baby, uh, oh. that, that I'm pretty sure they either died or they're dying because they like visit him and she's like, nobody's found us yet, oh, right. I think. So I wasn't sure if, if that's what that meant or what, but that jump scare 
of doing the 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 modern cut the hard cut to like a creepy face in front of the camera like fucking got me when they cut to her face and there's a fly in her eye i was like holy shit you know because up to that point you don't have jump scares but that was the one where i was like oh my god and then the little baby turns over and it's like mama or whatever the fuck it says uh that scene fucking got me too so did you guys jump at any scene anything actually kind of gets you a little bit i actually did jump but and this is just sounds and like you know how they filmed it but i did jump when his um whiteboard cracks or um, his blackboard whiteboard. Mm-hmm. oh black mm-hmm. yeah when that the chalkboard like cracks with the red rum or the murder that just i totally jumped at that even though i knew it was coming and i was like you idiot i'm so mad at myself <laughs> You know what's funny? Like we've been going for maybe like uh, I don't know, forty-five minutes to fifty minutes in the review here. We have not like talked about you and McGregor once in this in this review yet. <laughs> so I feel like let's just take a couple minutes and spot out Ewan in this movie being Danny, what he portrays, and then we'll get in. I think to kind of like maybe like the end of this movie because I think we're kind of getting there. What do you think, Greg, about Ewan in this movie portraying Danny? Everything he goes through over and this movie kind of covers ten years. I think it covers something like that. What, what do you think, Greg, about him in this movie? Yeah, I think it's great. What happens is after The Shining, you wonder what happens to a kid you imagine he's messed up so the fact that he's so we fast forward to like 10 20 years later 30 years later and he's clearly he's uh he's drunk and he's um finagling around with like prostitutes and he's really not living a pleasant life right it's just a bad poor life that he's living so i think he does a great job of like portraying that and you you get a sense of like okay i get that you dealt with what you had to deal with in the shining and i understand that um there was one scene in terms of like scares that he was involved in that really made me like realize what he's going through and it's that after the first part of the movie where Dick Halloran shows him how to put ghosts and apparitions in mental boxes to keep them away, at first you realize, okay, well, he put that, that old lady or the uh, the wrinkled lady from the bats up into a box, and he did that confidently. So now flash forward to when he's older, he's kind of past that. But then there's a moment where, you know, he's... um. He's working as essentially an orderly in a hospice, right? And he's kind of using some of his powers, his shining powers to appease or assuage like the mental anxieties of people who are in the, on the last leg of their life. So there's a guy in there that's like really, um, you know, he's facing death and he's scared about what it's going to feel like. He's fearing not existing anymore. And then um, Danny says, it's okay. There's nothing to fear. This is going to be like your final eternal peaceful sleep it's okay well then he goes back into that room and the guy's been moved and then he sees dick halloran in there he doesn't recognize him of course and he's about to put him in the box then dick turned and goes oh wow i haven't seen you in a long time but then there's a flashing moment to where you see in his mind it's back into the into the the snowy maze Mm -hmm. of the overlook hotel and for a split second you see that He's got maybe 10 or 100 different boxes that he's been putting these like apparitions in. And it it really, it flashes back to the real life pretty quickly, but it gives you just enough to realize, oh, wow, he's been burying these memories and these, 
ghosts for a long time and like mm-hmm. it, it sets up this idea that like okay well they're just in boxes they're not gone they're just being held down they could come out at any moment um mm-hmm. if he's not careful so it kind of gives you an idea of like what he's been going through and what he's been dealing with and it kind of justifies his lifestyle because he's been dealing with a uh, like literally mental demons his entire life yeah yeah it's it's super interesting speaking of that um in the extended cut the director's cut there's a scene after i think after he puts the old lady in the box when he's a kid that danny and wendy the mom have like a little conversation and it's another one i wish they would have put in the movie and and the you know little danny's kind of asking the mom like do you miss dad and she kind of like is like yeah like i do miss him you know kind of getting into like she's still grieving as much as what he did what he did I think yeah. they both know it wasn't him, you know, because we'll get into the end of this movie. And like I said, this this movie itself tries to merge Kubrick and Shining book movies. So in this version, I, I feel like it's a little bit more of like they just don't hate him for what he did. They still care for him as a father, even though he had bad traits. He did what he did. They don't I don't think they blame him a lot for the end. But in that scene, it's super interesting. Like she looks super sad and remorseful and like I miss him. And he opens a box and fucking it just cuts from there. But to me, it implies he puts the mom's I don't know if he puts her memory of the shining or he at least puts that like sadness of missing her her husband in the box. So she doesn't feel that way anymore. I Ooh. wish it was in the fucking cut because I thought it was super interesting. interesting. Yeah, it was super interesting. That's when I made wow. in my notes of like, I wish that was in the theatrical cut. I thought it was a really good scene and it added to me more of his power, you know? Hmm. Uh, but what do you think, Laura, about Ewan McGregor, you know, being Danny in this movie? I think he kills it. I, okay, so there's two things I want to say. One is just that I think that the character is written really well, right? Like, I, I totally buy what has happened to Danny since all of that trauma as a child. And I think his story is super believable. And it's almost like I don't think we've talked about Ewan McGregor portraying it yet because he is Danny. It's almost like I'm not even separating the actor from the writing at this point. That's true. I'm literally like, oh, my God, he's so good. He he is him. He is this character. But one scene that I feel like his acting was phenomenal and this is kind of towards the end uh, is when he is back at the Overlook and he goes into the gold room bar mm-hmm. and he is talking to Lloyd slash Jack slash Lloyd slash ra- <laughs> slash Rando. Yeah. Slash Henry Thomas, who just wanted yeah. to be in the movie. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I, I felt like that scene of him not only keeping in character, being a good actor, being a recovering alcoholic, being back at the overlook with all of the trauma that's there. Also having to do a scene that was not quite the same but very similar to the original shining so you know he had to really prepare for that and like learn the mannerisms and remind you know what lines need to be said where and how and the way he tries to take a sip of alcohol and stops i mean oh my god i was blown away by that acting i mean it was like almost there yeah yeah i just thought that scene was so powerful and i that's all him that's Ewan McGregor just being a really good actor. Yeah. He, you know, something he's so good. I mean, we're coming off Scream 2, which okay. to me, to me All had, right. had some like really <laughs> poor acting in that movie, really bad takes to me. And I just couldn't hold it in for a lot of that review. Coming to this movie, Ewan McGregor, and like he, the thing with me is like, he is so, he, you would almost call it he's underacting 
because he's just so like you know methodical in what he's saying and how he says yeah. it and and just like like doesn't give like a lot of like over the top reactions to things and scenes and just it works so well because it's just so believable and i think he's just such a solid actor for me like the couple of scenes i've really loved for him is the really quiet scenes where it's just him talking whether it's him talking with dick i think which are really good scenes they're back and forth they're fucking awesome every scene he's doing the uh the doctor sleep and I love how he gets his name, how he's like, oh, no, you are a doc. You're you're Dr. Sleep. I was like, fucking I, I didn't read the book. I didn't know, like, how they made that connection. This is coming off. I mean, I saw uh, Greg, you saw Solo in the theaters, correct? Right, Greg? Han Solo movie? No, I haven't seen it. You never you haven't seen it yet. You heard it. You heard it was that bad. And you're like, I ain't going to go see that shit. <laughs> there, okay. never got around I'll, to it. I'll spoil the worst thing ever for naming a character, Greg, real fast for you. In the Solo movie, you know, his name is Han Solo. Uh, he's at a fucking train station. He doesn't have that name yet. His name is like Han something or other. I forget his name. The fucking attendant goes like, oh, are you riding by yourself? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, you must be solo. Oh, I was like, that, <laughs> that is Greg, Greg. So Greg loves Star Wars. Th- Greg, that is how it's in canon. They named Han Solo Solo. No. It's, it's, yes. It's the worst thing ever. It's like, wow, that was fucking horrible. So, <laughs> sorry, Greg. Yeah, don't watch that movie. It's not that great. But you cut to this movie now, and I don't know how I'm comparing them, but this movie, how he gets the name Dr. Sleep, how it's the title of the movie, I thought was so smart and genius and worked so well. It's, it came so fluid in that moment. It could have felt very forced in that moment, but I thought yeah. it was so well. Is that exactly the same in the book, Laura, how he gets the name Dr. Sleep? Yeah, that's what he does. It, it, that's exactly what he does. He like helps people in their time of need when they're about to die and just helps them not, not to be scared. And his mom calls him Doc too. So that's like right. there's, yeah, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's a Doc yeah. connection there, which yeah. is great. It's just, yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. I went on a tangent there about Bond Solo movie. Sorry if I <laughs> spoiled it for anybody. Um, <laughs> But uh, but but those two scenes when he's, you know, pretty much giving the last rites more or less to two patients, mm-hmm. I, the back and forth there is so good. The first one, he's so tentative because he's never he doesn't even know what's happening. This guy thinks he's a doctor, you know, and then he realizes, OK, I can maybe help him a bit. The second one, you could tell like he's experienced. He's been doing this yeah. That's after the eight year flash forward and the way he's just so soft spoken and soothing and caring I just love it. You're coming off the beginning of this movie. The guy is like beating somebody with a pull cue. He's doing crack. He's like leaving a child in the bed and then cut to this scene where he's just so loving and caring in that moment. It just shows Ewan McGregor's range in this movie is fucking crazy. And then cut to what Laura's talking about the end at the bar. You're just like, this guy is, is he's, he's a top actor. You know what I mean? He knows what he's fucking doing. I love those scenes. The other one I really love is when he gets his eight-year chip and he has his speech about his father. That one to me really got me. A lot of father's son really gets me being being a parent of a here we go. Yeah, being a parent of a child and a father's son and this and that, you know. Um, but I thought again, the acting in that scene, the way he was like stumbling over words trying to get it out, you know, even saying like this is for my dad, Jack Torrance, and just like it it hit me. It's a cool reference, of course, to the original. I just I love that scene. What do you guys think of that scene in particular? To me, it's one of my favorite scenes is his speech to his father. What do you think, Laura? It's great. And I think that I appreciate scenes like that because almost like what you were saying with the director's cut, I told you guys that in the Shining novel, you don't hate Jack as much. You know, there's more to him than just the psychopath. And 
I think that for a lot of people watching The Shining, I know that it's a big theme, but you kind of forget that he's an alcoholic at times. Like, I know it gets brought up a lot, mm-hmm. but for, really, if you like watch The Shining once, didn't watch it for a few years, and someone asked you to think about what it's about, you just be like, oh, he gets haunted by this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't think like he's struggling. He has a disease. And I think that that really was nice to have them talk about and reference Jack and that he struggled with this, the same thing that now Danny struggles with. I really appreciate that they threw that in and like made it clear. You know? Yeah, exactly. Cause I feel like really that's like the theme. And I, I didn't really get into watching this movie now. Cause I'm, I was with you, Laura, more like the shining is about the ghost and haunting yeah. them. We had, we had a whole episode with Garab Jane, a guy who did the book on the shining and this and that. And he has other <laughs> ideas, maybe what the movie's about as far as Kubrick goes. But to me, like the original shining now watching this, it's all about alcoholism and it's about abuse. And like, that's really what it's about. You're like, you could take it as a metaphor of him being haunted. He's haunted by his disease. That's really to me how I take what the original movie is about now, not literally, but like what Stanley King or Stanley King Stan. What the fuck is his name? Stephen, <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> Stanley King. What the fuck? I lost all my cred. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Stephen King is like trying to say in these movies now. Uh, what do you think, Greg, about that scene in particular with you? And this is what you have to realize is that when you're jumping into a role, you have to understand what the character knows and what they've gone through. Like every time you and plays or, uh, or has like a monologue with Danny, He's really coming from a place from which you know Danny is truly coming from. So even in that that monologue where he's speaking in front of the AA uh, members, and I don't know if you guys noticed, he even slipped up a couple of times. He didn't really have a coherent speech, which I actually yeah, liked. Right. I didn't want yeah. him to have a canned speech. I wanted him to just be open and speak from the heart. And there were times where he was saying, you know, he fumbled his words, and I thought that was real. And mm-hmm. I thought that was genuine. And... Yeah, it is very much like if you if you step away from the the Kubrick like um story and you get more into like Jack, you realize like the the story is really about yeah, like alcoholism and Jack Torrance's failure as as a, a husband and a father, if you think about it. And like that scene where he's talking with Danny at the bar is is such a great uh exchange because he's talking about you know, not being able to fulfill his, um, his goals and, and, and his duties as a father and, uh, and as a husband and as a human being. But he's also talking about like letting the alcoholism and the, uh, the substance abuse take over. And this is where like Danny, right, kind of is like trying to have a, trying to understand where that came from and then take like a different path. He has that phrase. He goes, Man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes the man. Ain't it so, Dad? So he's essentially like saying like, okay, Dad, admit to the fact that you let this addiction take over. Because the the sooner that you can realize it, the sooner I can accept it, the sooner I can learn from it. Because I, I look up to you still as your son. And the fact that he almost didn't. He, he didn't take ownership of it means that Danny almost has to like pick himself up by his own bootstrap. So this whole scene where he's at the AA kind of like celebrating his sobriety for, for as long as he did was fantastic because, you know, he's not only celebrating his accomplishments as an individual, he's also kind of putting some closure to his relationship with Jack and saying like, okay, well, you're, 
you're no longer going to affect me. Like your alcoholism has sort of, and, and the trauma that I experienced growing up has affected my life for so long. I'm going to start to step out of that. I'm going to start to grow from it. So it was a very emotional and like genuine scene. I thought you and McGregor played it very well. Yeah. He's just, like we said, he's, he's just so solid in this movie. And that's why you can almost like, you don't even need to talk about him, but I feel like we just right. need to shout out a couple things, uh, at least for a little bit there. Um, let's see. I feel like we need to kind of get to the end here. We need to get to the shining, get to like the, the really the, the end act of this movie here. I mean, Laura, do you kind of want to do a little summary of like what happens in the middle of this movie? It's a lot of back and forth trying to find each other or anything like that. Yeah. The, the middle for me kind of picks up right after that, uh, baseball boy horrific scene. Um, because really what happens is, is that Abra is able to see this through her shine and it kind of lights a fire under her. Like she wants to at least find his body, but what she really wants is to find these people, stop them from what they've been doing. And it's kind of sweet because, and again, I might be getting a little confused. Maybe they don't mention this so well in the movie as they do in the book, but what she really wants to do is she's a kid herself. She wants to make sure that this doesn't happen to kids like her. Um, and so she reaches out to Uncle Dan, Ewan McGregor, uh, Danny Torrance, as she's been doing throughout the movie and tells them her plan. And they eventually decide like, okay. And they realize that Rose has seen her because Rose is almost just as powerful as Abra. Not quite, but almost. Um, so he realizes that she's in danger. And that's really when the movie really picks up because now he has to save Abra. He has to try to defeat the true knot. You know, it's there's a lot going on in this movie. So that's kind of the middle. I would say that um, talking about scenes you don't need, uh, I could have done without that whole shootout scene. I thought it was yeah, fucking stupid. Me too. I put that in my notes too. You know, uh, yeah, once they have their plan and they find the boy's body, which is kind of like the first thing they want to get done, um, that's when they set up like this plan to try to like kill these people and take them out, you know, and it was the same thing, too. Like, you're going to have the ultimate climax anyway at the end of this movie. Right. Like, why not just fucking take care of them all there? You know what I mean? Like, because, yeah, it was like a whole maybe like another 15 minutes of this movie that like ultimately was kind of cool, I guess, but. At the same point, I'm like, oh, I didn't really need to be there. What, what do you no. think, Greg, about the shootout scene? You know, one thing that I like about this movie, just in general, is that they try not to repeat cliches. So, and 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 one thing that I that I love is that they really don't mess around in this movie with any. I don't know if you want to call it cheapness. Like they just, they always, it seems like they always go for it. So in a scene like this, normally you would just, you'd see one guy get killed, maybe one guy get winged in the shoulder, the rest escape. And it's a ch usually a cheap and wasted scene, right? But pretty much this, this scene, the entire gang, the, the not squad gets eliminated. It's hilarious. Now, now they're a squad now. <laughs> they're a squad now. <laughs> yeah. Even the blonde chick, which you figure is going to be a staple in the entire movie, the, the one that gets recruited and snake bite or whatever her name is, she gets killed too. And Billy gets eliminated, which is so sad. Oh, yeah. And oh, the so way that awful. she compels him to kill himself was sad. I thought like they took so many components of, of, of the, of the plot and the drama and they compressed it into one scene and they didn't mess around. So I like this. It's like, because then what is the alternative? It's either this or they, confront the group at the end of the movie i don't know maybe that's another alternative but the fact that they that they got rid of everybody in in one shot was 
It was really cool. So I, I, I really liked it. Um, and then of course there was a little bit of a twist. I totally forgot about Bone Daddy. He, he goes and takes a syringe to the girl's dad. He tracks him down at the house. So that was a, that was a pretty clever way of keeping him in the mix. Um, so I don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we don't enjoy it. Like it's, it, it works in the movie. Like the, if you want a two and a half hour movie, then it's fine to be in there. But if we're trying to cut this down and try to get around two hours, then I feel like it is a sequence and a scene that like maybe you could totally cut that doesn't need to be in here. Cause it's either that or you cut something else. And I don't know what well, else. So my question is cut. like, okay, so you have this threat, you have this gang. How do you get rid of them? You save them to the end. You but then that's the still the like like exactly. the time is still spent eliminating them, isn't it? Yeah, but I'd rather I'd rather eliminate them by fucking the twins throwing them in fucking holes or something or fucking uh uh what's his name Grady comes out flushes their head in the toilet or something like that. Like <laughs> that be that would be interesting. <laughs> if, I, if that I'd was like this, in that. the script, Greg, you'd be on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if I were to tell you that everyone went in one fell swoop though? Now you're not adding any more time, and you're still mm-hmm. saving them all for the end. Is how is it in the book, Laura? Do they have this yeah. shootout in the book, or is it all saved for the end? Okay, I will say that the end is fucking completely different, and it's okay because it makes sense in the book. As I told you the, of the Shining, the hotel burned. It burned to flames. It burned to the ground. So in Doctor Sleep, there is no Overlook Hotel. So basically, once we get to that final like third of the movie or, you know, whatever final act, you know, from there, that's when Mike Flanagan had to be like, this is now the sequel to the Shining movie, because now we're going back to the hotel that shouldn't even be there anymore. And that's not in the Dr. Sleep book. And we're going to go do all this and like give those people the Stanley Kubik friend. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Pubic. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, this uh, this Jack, Jack and Coke is getting us all tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hey, friends. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> I don't know. You were talking about the ending and like it's not in the hotel and uh, Mike, Mike Flanagan had to, Kubrick like, fans. We are giving them the sequel they want in like yeah. that mm-hmm. final scene. Yeah, because so. I think I heard that in the book, it's the it's the site of the old hotel because it's gone. Yeah. But it's like a playground or it's I don't know what it actually is now. The site itself. There's it's some... where the true knot was like with their RVs. It's one of their current sites. So, oh, whoa. Wow. So in the in the book, like they're like places they chill and make barbecues is like the old site of The Shining. Whoa. Mm-hmm. See, that's fucking cool. Wow, that is super cool. Wow, okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, Stephen King knows what the fuck he's doing as far as those, those books go, because that sounds really dope. Uh, but for the movie, of course. Yeah. I feel like we can you gotta get... You got to go back. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah, at the, let, let's just let's get to the end. Let's get to the end here. Like I said, they're, they're shot up in the fucking scene. Uh, I do like the way that they kill, as Greg calls him, Bone Daddy, uh, you know, as they kill him with the car crash. I thought it was a super cool way to do it. Oh. Be, being like, oh, you've lived forever. Of course, you wouldn't wear a seatbelt and they hit a fucking tree. I thought that was super cool. I thought it was a cool sequence, a uh, way to get him out of the way. And then, yeah, then it's just Rose is the only one left at that point. And then, yeah, he's uh, Dan's pretty much being like, we're going to Colorado, you know, and I'm like, yes, finally, finally, like, right. let's go. Laura, what do you, what do you want to talk about when, when we're here? I really, I'm just going to stick on with my theme here about like the book versus the movie. It's like, I'm 
the best of both worlds, honestly, in that, and I was the same way with The Shining, the book. I, I loved the book, yet I still love the movie. And it seems like no one feel felt that way about The Shining. But I appreciated what the movie did and the liberties it took and how different it was, but with, still keeping on theme with the book. I felt the almost the exact same way this time around. I loved the book, not as much as the original Shining, but I loved the book. And then I saw the movie and on my first watch, I was thinking like, okay, I feel like this isn't going to be as good. How are they going to do this? And then all of a sudden they start throwing in the scenes where like, you know, his chalkboard breaks and it says red rum. That wasn't in the book. And it seems like that, that just throw you into the original Shining movie where it's like any gripe I've had. And I had gripes at this point. At this point, I was like, I could have gone 30 minutes less. Yeah. Like this movie is way too long. What the fuck? I'm just like, yes. So all those scenes at the end pulled me back in. I just love that it was all Easter eggs. If you're a mm -hmm. Shining fan, you loved everything you saw just because you're like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And I like, is it going to help my rating at the end? I don't know, because again, it was way too fucking long. But I, it sucks because if the movie were shorter, I actually think that those scenes would have hit harder. I think we would have just been on a roller coaster and then been like, oh, my God, this climax is crazy. Or instead, I was falling asleep. And now I'm like, oh, OK, I'm awake now. I'm awake now. This ending rocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I think the beginning, the opening beginning of this movie is super solid and great. Ending is super solid and great. The middle, I feel like it needed work somewhere to cut Snooze some fest. stuff, like yeah. move it along a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, finally getting to the shining, finally getting to it. Like, I know they're going to fucking go there. Like, I know they're going there in yeah. this movie. I'm just like, when are we getting here? We're finally there now. I'm like super excited now. I mean, just the, just the walkthrough of, of Dan Torrance of walking through the old hotel, you know, seeing where, you know, his dad chopped down the door and everything and seeing the hallways and the, the gold room and this and that. It's like super cool. Um, I, I like it. Because what it's referencing, like, it's something I love, the original Shining. Mm -hmm. It's It doesn't fully work on me, though, because, like, set design itself, like, it just didn't feel and completely look like the same thing to me. You know, everything seemed brighter. Everything didn't seem as dull. I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if the original movie, The Shining, if it was sets, if they were just filming in a big hotel. The original movie felt felt so more grandiose to me and big and larger than life in the hotel. And this movie, when we get there again, it just feels like a set and it feels it, it small. Was. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and like, I could feel that. And, and yeah. as much as like mm -hmm. they found the old blueprints and they went to spec and this and that, it just, it just didn't feel the same. I like it. It's super cool to see it, but it just didn't hit me the way like I wanted it to, um, in those scenes, which is sad to say. Uh, what about you, Greg? What did you think when you finally get there? Yeah, now that you mentioned, I think the the same. It 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 felt more confined. It definitely felt more like a set. But at the same time, I I really liked it. Like I was thinking, the one thing that I was constantly thinking the moment they drove up to the Overlook was, don't overdo it. Like you're you're about to step into fan service territory. Yeah, you know that you can't go step by step every single scene exactly the way the first one was because it'll be too much and people will know it right off the bat. Um, so knowing that you have a 
a pacing dilemma, you know, but then also you want to pay respect to the original. I like how they did it. There, there was the, the moment where Danny was walking through the hotel and he's almost treating the hallways with reverence and caution. He's not just strolling down casually. Okay. Here's this hallway. Here's that one. He's almost stopping at every single corner and listening and paying attention to what's around the corner and being very, I guess, like uh, fearful and, and respectful of like where he's at. So in that respect, I liked it. Um, it again, it didn't feel like the same hotel, which is very obvious. I, I do agree with that. So those two like negative, like the negative and the positive kind of balance out. And, um, I don't know. I mean, the, the original was, was done decades prior. So, you know, you can't go back and reduce the quality of your footage to make it look like the way that it looked like back then. Um, so, I mean, I enjoyed it. He went to the, his old room first, right? The old room that they stayed in. Then he went to where the bathroom was with the axe, you know, chopped in and kind of put his face in uh, the hole like that. That's good. Like the shot of him looking through the broken hole in the door panel. Um, you know, I didn't compare it side by side, obviously, with the first one, but you just something about it. You could tell like they probably replicated the way yeah. the cut was. Mm-hmm. So that was great. And then, of course, just going into the gold room was, um, I, I don't know, I felt very oh. sentimental about this whole scene and this, this whole uh back half of the movie yeah yeah I, I mean definitely i mean let's talk about to me the the craziest thing in this movie the biggest gripe i might have with this movie is as far as this movie is long is the new jack whatever the fuck you want to call yeah. him yeah i don't i think actually i looked at imdb he's just listed as the bartender which is which is he was weird. lloyd being jack being lloyd yeah but it's but come very on. weird we yeah. know who the, we know who he is like why, yeah. why do you do that but we gotta talk about the bar scene itself the actor with henry thomas is that his name et alum et kid uh, yeah. you know playing this role to such an iconic role i i didn't know what to expect i didn't know what they were gonna do when they got here uh immediately seeing him i was like what the fuck like what what is happening right now what do you how did you feel laura seeing this new jack as i'm calling him if you took him out the scene was perfection i actually yeah. think that they replicated the gold room that looked the most identical yeah. Versus any other set. It, it felt grandiose. It did. It felt big. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so that was great. Just like the nostalgia of it. Like I talked about earlier, the acting. But then you have this guy and before you see him, you're like, oh, my God, he's word for word. He's Lloyd. He's like, oh, your money's no good here. It's on the house. And you're like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> and then you see him and you're like, OK, yeah. that's a choice because all the other new actors looked pretty spot on you know we fucking the new dick holler and what is the same guy i mean he's, he's really embodies him yeah mm-hmm. yeah and to get to see this guy you're like what are you doing and then from <sighs> once i saw him and he started talking i was like oh no oh no i'm getting pulled out <laughs> i yeah I, I was not okay with it yeah i mean i mean they do they do as much as they can do to make this actor look like him they give him the receding hairline he has the outfit on and i think they even had his eyebrows kind of like that little thing jack has in there where they're like little like a peek into them and but it's just it's not jack it's not him and and i feel like even like his mannerisms i didn't feel like he was trying to nail him he didn't to me didn't sound anything like him at all you know as much as i feel like we've been calling out these other actors which are like taking over that 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 articulation the way they speak uh, what do you think, Greg? I feel like I see you making a face over there. <laughs> I think he did a fair job. So this is the same problem that you run into when you try to bring the characters into the Overlook Hotel. And it's you don't want to overdo it. I think 
everybody was almost expecting like so i i was okay and i wasn't surprised by the fact that you see jack torrance there this means he's a part of the hotel mm-hmm. i totally expected him to, to show up as a specter in this scene but here's the thing is the moment that you see him you're almost expecting you know the fact that it's not jack nicholson you're thinking okay well this guy is gonna go over the top here's the deal jake let me t- you know what i mean like just go like <laughs> well, way they should have had you in that movie greg holy I shit know. That, was, <laughs> that was awesome dude <laughs> uh, the, so i think what he has to do is reel that back in a little bit but i think he reeled it back in too much like i think i i, I wish his words slightly popped a little bit more like jack nicholson um but again i can tell you don't want to go too far with that so he's really he's very obviously towing a line between overacting which any amateur thespian from you could grab a guy from like high school theater class can do a jack nicholson impression (laughs) between that doing his own thing and not really wanting to steal you don't want to steal the scene away from danny too and and you mcgregor so the fact that you could tell the first half of the scene they just show his side profile so Mm -hmm. i think that was intentional to sort of like not draw from the whole focal point of this movie which is danny and like him overcoming his struggles so i don't know like uh i think you could they did about 90 percent as uh, uh you know good of a job as you could possibly do in this i don't know if you could cast someone better or do a better job it was it was fine to me yeah I, i'm always I, okay with it like i get what you're saying it is like a um almost i don't know what the right word i'm trying to think of right now it's like it's such a high bar you're trying yeah. to match and, and i know you're never going to do it and for even us to be saying like wow this is pretty shitty it's kind of fucked up because it's like what are they going to do like he did the best he could my my thing was more like like why didn't they fucking use the de-aging technology you know the cgi stuff that they could do with like marvel is doing now and get jack nicholson in there have him do it and then fucking just de-age him and make him look younger because he's retired too he, he's not acting anymore i i know i know that but like that's ideally what i fucking would have wanted you know what i mean I, I watched this uh, this YouTube video before we started the pod, and it, there was a there's a video of, on YouTube where it shows like what do you call it, like a deep fake where mm-hmm. they take Jack Nicholson's facial expressions and they plop it on this guy's face. Yeah, and it's like obviously very amateurishly done, but I don't know, like it's just it. I think the moment that you that you suspect that it's uh, CGI or just not done well. I mean, I know the budget was in the fifty million, so why can't you make a budget for this? But I just I feel like the moment that you feel like it's CGI in any way, shape, or form just takes you out of the moment that it's yeah. two humans talking to each other. It, it's a risk. Like, so I, I think you could go either way with the risk. They just chose the way that they did. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Cause like I said, you're, you're waiting for this the whole fucking movie and you finally get here and you're just like, oh, all right, okay. And it's the only time in this whole movie I cringe other than, well, the boy getting mutilated, you know? But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just crazy, you know? I mean, I'm really interested. Yeah. Anybody listening out there, if you, if you watch this movie, what did you think of the portrayal of Jack? You know, how do you think they could have solved it? Let us know. Email us the conjecturing pod at Gmail or hit us up Twitter and Instagram at conjecturing pod. Um, do you want to set up the ending now, Laura? We'll talk about the ending then. Yeah. So they, they brought Rose to the overlook because essentially they want the ghost to eat her, eat her steam. <laughs> well, Laura's like, that's my job. What are you doing? Get out of here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's like, let me have a turn. Let me get in there. <laughs> I don't want sloppy seconds. Come on. <laughs> but they know it's going to be really dangerous because, um, no, they, they know that it's way too dangerous for Abra and Danny. 
but they have to take that risk. It's like their only hope left to defeat Rose. So they bring her there and uh, there's all sorts of just, like we said, breadcrumbs, Easter eggs, whatever. Uh, you know, it's really cool scenes as long as you, <laughs> no pun intended, overlook the fact that it's not <laughs> nice. perfect. It's not the exact same hotel from the original. It's like slightly different. And there's a lot of trickery, right? So, mm. I mean, she thinks that she's looking at Abra, but Abra's actually not there in that scene. She's somewhere else. And there's a lot of that. But, um, you know, before it all goes down, I will say, and I know I'm so super biased because I clearly love this villain so much, but the scene where she's walking up the stairs. Oh, like recreating the original? Yeah. And the way she's walking, she she actually does a better job being Jack Nicholson than Henry <laughs> Thomas does. Like she's walking up the stairs and the way she's doing it, it looks just like him. Yeah, and it's just so that. symbolic because then you've got Danny and he's got the axe in his hand, like trying to defend himself. And he's going backwards, kind of like the way Wendy was. Just love those scenes. But, you know, the ending of the movie, uh, I can't even recall all the like shit that goes down. But basically, <laughs> they they are able to defeat Rose. Um, she is just at the mercy of the hotel. And Danny unleashes all of the ghosts that he's had locked away. And unfortunately, that also means that he's, uh, how would you even say this? He becomes like finally possessed fully by the hotel. And I know he comes through a few times, but it's kind of the price he realizes that he has to pay in order to save Abra and have their plan go through correctly. And again, I will say that I so poetic to then have this movie sequel end with the boiler yeah. room blowing up and catching on fire, which was the original ending of the Shining book. So already I'm like, this is why Stephen King is okay with this version. He's finally getting what he deserved, really, from the first one. Yeah, and it God, works. Just, it works so well in this movie. Like, so good. It, yeah, if you if you wouldn't have told me like, oh, this is like the original ending of the book, like it completely fits and feels so what the ending of this movie should be. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it works so well. I mean, I mean, I I really like the scenes in towards the end of this movie with Rose. I think she's really solid at the end there. I like the part when uh, when you and McGregor and and Aber on the stairs and she walks in. She's like, "Oh, who are you, handsome?" And she's like, "Calls you and McGregor handsome and this and that." I thought it was just like a funny touch. And then uh, when when she finally gets taken over by all the ghosts and shit like that. I mean, it's crazy just seeing all the ghosts again, really. You know, like seeing yeah. the twins again, which I thought was fine. They of course didn't look like the original yeah. girls, but it's not like right. a big deal. But mm -hmm. I thought like the what is his name? The the Grady guy looked exactly mm -hmm. like the fucking original he guy. Did. He did. They, totally. Yeah. They also have the other guy. I don't know his fucking name. The other guy that is like being like, welcome to the party or this is a fun party. Oh, so, it's a great party, isn't yeah, it? Or, that, guy, that guy looked exactly like the fucking original one. So I feel like those. I was bummed out. What the hell? There's no bear. There's no <laughs> furry in the background chilling somewhere. Right after the ghosts turned on Danny and he told Abbott to run. I swore I thought she was gonna walk into the room with the with the bear suit guy. I I could have swore he was gonna be there. He didn't show up on the stairs. So man, that's messed up, man. My 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 boy couldn't get a little cameo in this movie. You know, shit. <laughs> You've uh, got a boy. I've got a girl. What does Greg have? Bear, no, you don't have a boy. You have a furry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah. What did you What did you think of like the ending, Greg? How it worked out? What do you think? It's 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 greatly set up. Uh, like you know, the one thing that I noticed that was a weird thing to kind of point out, but it it's the setup to where when they drive up to the Overlook and Danny goes inside because he's suddenly realizing that these ghosts and this hotel is more of a threat than Rosie is. She's the most powerful shiner or whatever you want to call it. Like they know of, and <laughs> she, she's on their case, but. He's like this. Go these ghosts in this hotel is more dangerous than you realize. So you wait in the car, and I actually like the idea that thank God she didn't just sneak up on them. Like oh here here you know I found you at the hotel. Like that the plan to actually have a lookout for her across the canyon. You would see the car coming up the road. The fact that that actually worked. I mean I thought that's it, it seemed like such a simple storytelling mechanic, but it also seems like right for cliche for. Uh, Rosa just pop up and be like, I'm here, you know, where I, I got the, I got the jump on you. They didn't do that. It gave them enough time to get into the hotel and, and let the whole scene play out. But yeah, definitely Rose slowly chasing Danny up the stairs, like the same way that Jack did. And then now he's got an axe instead of a bat. Mm-hmm. That was like, to me, like the pinnacle of, um, like paying homage to the to the original movie that was Uh, yeah fantastic the whole ending really like again they're trying they have to toe a very careful line between being like you know obtusely you know mimicking the original and doing their own thing and i thought they did a great job with that yeah i really enjoyed it i really like the parts when uh when when dan danny whatever the fuck you want to call him gets taken over and then they're really just redoing the same scenes from the shining he's hobbling down the hallway with the axe in his hand calling for abra and the same inflection too of like Mm -hmm. that yell that jack does in the original you know i'm not going to try to do it because i'll blow out the speakers um but i thought that was really fucking good i thought that was really cool but also like even spliced in there i think is some of the original some of henry thomas you know hobbling through the hallway with the axe you don't see his face because it's from the back, which works for me then in those moments because I don't <laughs> see him actually. And But he, I have to give him credit. In those scenes when he's yelling Danny, it does sound exactly it like does. Jack in You're those right. moments. So, yeah. I mean, he he did great in a couple things. Just that bar scene whew, was a little bit rough. Um, yeah. But and I also do like the fact that like this gets really it really gets heartfelt at the end of this movie. You know what I mean? It gets heartfelt. It gets sentimental at the end of this movie. We'll be talking about like this is kind of a drama, you know, um, when when, you know, Dan's fully possessed and everything. And Abra's like, that's not you. Like you're wearing a face and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you know what I mean? Like it's a, like a heartfelt moment of being like, you know, come back, you know, which which I think I mean, I was going to ask Laura, too. Like I know the building burning down at the end is the original uh book ending but you told us back in in the review the book also has the moment where jack comes out of being possessed and like helps them get out is that the exact scene with dan in this movie and abra when she when he kind of comes out of it and then helps her is that kind of the same so they took they literally took the same exact ending with everything more or less and and made it work that's super cool yeah and then just just to end the movie with you know dan in the fire of the boiler room and like his mom's there with him and then, like, you know, it kind of cuts to her and then it pans back and he's now a little kid again. It just it, I felt like it was just such a great way to end this movie being like he has to sacrifice himself. His mom is there with him. I'm pretty sure that's not a vision. He can, like, see her spirit in that point being like, yeah. you know, he has to do what he has to do to save this girl. I thought it works so damn well. And that's why it's like the opening is so great. The ending works. It's just the middle of this is just like just so much shit going totally. on. Yeah, I, I love agree. I love the ending. And not even to mention tying in the, the Kubrick 
with the with the king and this and that just as a movie by itself with no reference it works so fucking well and pays off so good i fucking love it so much yeah yeah is there another book laura after this after dr sleep is there a third book no wow that's freaking crazy i know i know it too i think yeah i think i read too that like this like i said this movie did not make a shit ton of money at the theaters you know so mm-hmm. they actually had a prequel ready to go and a sequel ready to go for this I read they had a they had a prequel that's all about Dick, all about Dick Holleran and his family and his grandma. <laughs> <Stay close. laughs> it's all about Dick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about Dick Holleran, about yeah, Dick Holleran and, and his stuff, which I, I would watch. I said that way too, like nonchalantly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, but I would, I would watch that. I watch a prequel about Dick Holleran and his family and his yeah, grandma yeah, teaching him how to lock yeah. people. And oh my God, I'd watch that. That was super cool. Um, and then they said the sequel, of course, would be Abra and what's going on with her and trying to yeah. find, find these other, whatever you want to call them, demons, spirits that are, uh, you know, abusing people. Cause they, there was a couple of reference in, in there, um, from Dick Holleran saying like, there's other things like this out there. You know, oh, yeah. he, he mentions it to Dan, uh, to Dan. Um, so it'd be, I guess you'd bring back Ewan McGregor to be her spiritual guide for that sequel. Another thing I would fucking watch, you know? Um, what do you think about that, Greg? A prequel and a sequel? Prequel about Dick? I mean, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm okay with just these two movies. They, they seem pretty solidly linked. I, I'm okay with these. I, I don't know if I would want to watch a prequel or sequel to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's quickly... I'm just going to say the Rotten Tomato ratings. I'm not going to get into a bunch of reviews because I know we're going long on time here. So Rotten Tomatoes of this movie, you have a critic score of 78% and an audience score of 89%. So very positive both ways about this mm-hmm. movie. A lot of people like this movie. Um, I, I mean, I know definitely the people that didn't like it, they shout out length. Little shout out. I mean, speaking of deck, shout out length of this movie and and <laughs> wow and uh, <laughs> and and they shout out the width too. I know it was just all about the length, man. All about the length. <laughs> maybe curvature, maybe that, but not not no. the, not. The <laughs> oh, speaking of curvature. <laughs> wow, I don't yeah, know where this segue is going. Go okay. on, go yes. on. Yes, Laura. That was another thing from the book. I'm glad they didn't do this in the movie. But when they would eat steam, their tongue would come out and it would be like a tusk and it would curve and like they would suck in the steam that way. Yeah. Right, they had well, like tusks. They don't need all this shit then. Okay. All right. Well, they're yeah. Willy Mammoths back in the day or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's, uh, let's get to our ratings of this movie, see where we're at. We pointed out a lot of bad stuff. We pointed out a lot of good stuff. Me and Laura kind of don't like the middle of this movie a bit. Uh, Greg's cold, just chilling in a lawn chair, not gang there. Um, <laughs> But uh, let's do. We're doing a one to five rating here. Let's do how many bottles of Jack? What do you think, Laura? One to five. What are you giving it? All right. So I I really love the acting characters. I love the beginning. I love the end. I do feel like as someone who has read both books, seen both movies, I don't fall into either camp. I didn't with the first. I'm not going to fall into that camp with this one. I think they did a good job following the book pretty well through most of the movie. And then when it did just go fully different, it was in the right way. But I was extremely bored in the middle of this movie. I mean, I don't think I've even explained it enough to you guys. I was on my phone. I was like, Mm. we could cut this scene. We could cut. I was like thinking of all the scenes we could cut, all the characters we could cut. So, all right. I'm giving this a 3.25. 3.25 bottles of Jack. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. Huh. Okay. All right. What about you, Greg? Where are you at uh, with the ratings here? I will say, like, on the negatives, like, the one thing I really didn't like was the fact that, like, as tough as Rosie was or the way that she was described, I thought between Danny and Abra, she didn't really stand a chance against him. Like, the whole movie, Abra was just cleaning her clocks. Anytime Rosie would jump into her her head, you would push her out. She clearly had more raw power. Danny was, like, she had a hidden rage that he was suppressing his entire lifetime. He's very experienced, obviously. Then, you know, throw in the Overlook Hotel. I just, I wasn't convinced that Rosie could even do anything to them. I mean, yeah, yeah she true. breathed it in like that last canister. But again, as a viewer, you, that doesn't communicate that she has soup, like extra, extra power. That just means she's at full strength because maybe she was weakened. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of the threat dissipated. Yeah. So they should have done something more to that to make you feel like Abra and Danny were. They should have had her fly there, like from the craft, just like Ooh, so that would have been cool. Powerful. This is the thing, exactly. Like so, the, when she breathes in, I don't know. She's you see toward the end, she opens up a fridge and she's just like pulling canisters off the shelf of yeah. like souls that they've sucked in. So basically, she's like doing speed right before this battle right <laughs> you know she's on pcp she's gonna go into like beast mode and berserker but then she just drives up to the hotel she's not yeah. i don't want to see her yeah, flying i want to see her with big muscles she's got like a you know five legs or something but you know she's just she looks like a normal uh shining user so again and you know same th- goes with the uh with the not gang we don't get a sense of how strong they are like what can they do show me some of the powers that they can do and again you don't really get a sense of what they actually do for fun or what their life is i know rob doesn't want to see that but uh, to me i'm like i look I, i'm greg, very greg much just, you want to see greg just wants a prequel about the not gang <laughs> called the not squad <laughs> you must have really liked the scenes in twilight when they were like the vampires are off playing baseball in the woods like oh okay i get it <laughs> You know what? To, to be honest with you, I hated the entire like Twilight series, but that wasn't bad because that tells me <laughs> what is the purpose of living a, a you know mortal free life. Oh, man. Like, That's what so do you funny. do in your spare time? Like, this is like because you guys know that I'm very big on motivations, right? Because again, I'm overthinking scenes. I'm like, how did they get to where they are? Why are they even doing what they're doing? If I had a bajillion years to live, am I just going to sit around in the lawn chair? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so look, but besides that, like, I actually think that this is a very solid film. I don't really think that you can look at this movie and say it's a bad movie. I don't know. I don't see how you could possibly label it as bad. It's just, it's, it's high quality. They fill it up with a lot of scenes. It's good, unique storytelling, good acting, good writing. I think even if you haven't seen The Shining, it actually holds up on its own with the exception of the, the very, very end, you know, in terms of like it being unique yeah. and, and all that stuff, which is really interesting. Um, so I'm going to give it high marks. I'm going to give this a four. Nice. A four, oh, nice. four uh, straight bottles. Nice, nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, like, I mean, I'm like right there with Laura. I feel like I feel like the last couple of episodes, me and Laura have not been on the same page. Uh, definitely last episode, uh, Scream 2, me and Laura were, were nowhere near each other. Uh, we were like we were we were like Rose and Dan fighting at each other in parts of this movie, you know. Dude, totally. Uh, yeah, but I this, was I, Rose though. Yeah, oh, yes, I know you're Rose, Laura. <laughs> Calm down. I know. Okay. <laughs> you could be Rose, okay? 
<laughs> but uh yeah, I'm I'm right there with Laura. Like I said, opening this movie, fucking dope. Ending this movie, really great. I fucking like it. The middle, I just feel like you said, I just feel bored at points. I'm like, I just want to keep going here. I don't want to see more scenes of fucking the not gang playing shuffleboard or baseball or whatever Greg wants them to do in the middle part of this movie here. Um, but I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a three. I'm gonna go a little bit under Laura. I'm gonna say a three. It's super solid. Uh, I like this movie a lot. So three bottles of Jack for me. Um, and, and I definitely would want to see more stuff within this like universe, you know, more prequels, sequels, as long as it's not the knocking prequel. I don't really give a shit what they're doing, to be honest with you. Um, unless it's like, well, if back- they bring her back, if they bring Rebecca Ferguson mm-hmm. back, I, I gotta see it. You gotta, you gotta, see gotta it know. Then. Yeah. That's probably yeah. true. That's probably true. Laura's going to do it. Yeah. Um, I'll watch her see. sleep. I'll watch her eat. I'll watch her knit. I don't care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you and Greg can go get see it. that movie then together. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, <laughs> That's uh that's it for the review of Doctor Sleep this week. Uh, let's see here. We're gonna be keep uh, continuing with sequel September. We got our another sequel coming up next week. Next week is gonna be Conjecture Choice. We're gonna be doing Conjuring Two. Uh, I'm super excited to review this movie. I feel like I haven't seen it in a while, actually. You know, I remember when the new the new Conjuring just came out. Whatever it's called, uh, the Devil Inside or whatever the fuck it's called. Mm-hmm. I was gonna do like a whole like uh watch all the movies together and, and do like whole thing leading up to it. And I watched the first one again. And I got scared. I'm like, I can't do it. So I like, I haven't seen the first that. one is so scary. The second one's so scary. Too. Yeah. I haven't oh, seen yeah. the second one in a while. So I'm super excited to, to watch this one. I just, I just love the conjuring movies. They're so fucking yeah, solid. So um, yeah. But uh, let's see where uh, the rest of our schedules on Twitter and Instagram, check it out there. Um, also, please remember, keep sending in more conjecture choice picks so we can have more picks to review down the road. Uh, you can email us conjecturing pod at Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, my conjecturing pod website podpage.com slash conjecturing pod um also if you like our show check out our merch we're wearing a couple of headphone jack shirts uh today shining shirts we got in the merch store uh you can check that out at tpublic.com slash user slash conjecturing pod also don't forget to subscribe review our podcast whatever you're listening to it on and check out the slash and cast podcast network slash and cast dot network so that's it from the gold room tonight. Is it still popping, guys? Is the gold room still popping in the background? Oh, fuck yeah. All night long. Yeah, I'm going to get down here. I'm going to go pop my booty in a room. I know that. Um, <laughs> <Jeez>. so, this, <laughs> so this has been the conjecturing. I've been Bear Rob. And Laura the Hat. And Grady Greg. Nice. I like nice. it. I like it. You like it. Yeah, until next time, remember horror subjectives and conjecture away. See ya. Bone Daddy out. grab more jack but it's 11 40 if i have jack right now again oh my god then you'll start talking more about rose and you know <laughs> who knows where that where that rabbit trail goes ask me fully sober and i'm gonna tell you i'm freaking in love with this chick like i just want a beer so bad w- would you do her with a hat or without the hat that's the that's the important question <laughs> i would do her with a hat i would do her with a bat <laughs>
<laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this. That's the end soundbite. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Holy shit. That's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs>